Superhero Stuff You Should Know is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Hey, this is Ben from Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and I have an important announcement for you guys. At the end of every single episode of Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you might hear a shout-out to our fans, one of whom is Matt Herring, who was one of the original Superhouse fans. He's always given us his support, and now it's time that we support him. Uh, We've just recently found out that Matt has been diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. And as a cancer survivor myself, I know personally that there's a lot of emotional and financial strain that comes into that. Uh, his wife, Kelly, has set up a GoFundMe account at GoFundMe.com slash F slash Matthew hyphen kicks hyphen cancer 039S hyphen butt. Uh, and hopefully you can help reduce the financial strain to that as well as some of the emotional strain that comes with that. Again, that's GoFundMe.com slash F slash Matthew dash kicks dash cancer 039S dash butt. Matt Herring was the first, I guess you could say, true Superhouse fan. We were Superhouse at that time. You know, the first fan of this podcast and what we do here and um, has always supported us, talked about us, and um, he's from a town close to where I'm from, and uh, so we share that as well, and just a huge superhero fan, and, you know, nerd like the rest of us, and now he's going through that, and uh, if you could donate just at least any amount of money to that link that Ben just said, that would be truly appreciated just hang in there matt you'll beat this thing soon ahoy ahoy there captain stop right here a little lexus gonna train his wiki did you catch my drift (laughs) all righty stop in here all right let me just drop my pants around my ankles like a kindergartner here we go Concentrate. Whoa! Hey, my man, stop right there. I'm gonna have to stop you from taking a piss in this here ocean, my man. Good lord! Because that's my job. Where the fuck did you come from? Right out of the water. I came from the ocean because I am Aquaman. Ah, yes, I recognize you from that surveillance video that I also created a logo for. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how you got that, but uh, I'm gonna need that footage back as well, my man. Uh, All right. Uh, Now, you don't want me... Going pee-pee in the ocean, is that correct? That is correct, my man. You can do it anywhere else but in these here waters. I protect these waters. I'm the only one that can take a pee-pee or a poop in this vicinity. (laughs) Well, you see, I can respect that. And if you were as smart as I was, you would already realize that I was holding a mason jar down below Little X. So I was not going to pee-pee in the ocean. I was going to pee in a jar and then maybe toss it in the ocean. (laughs) Remember, I'm evil. (laughs) My man, why would you take a piss in a jar? You have a bathroom on this yacht. I know these boats have bathrooms. I don't understand this mason jar thing, my man. They do have bathrooms. There's one in the back, Mr. Luthor. You like to feel the cold breeze on your nuts or something? Ah, exactly. And I also like to pee in jars. There's just something about collecting them. I've got a, a few hundred in my office. <laughs> and, you know, I can use them in my escape tactics from the Justice League, which you are mm, a part of. <laughs> You've got a whole room full of these mason jars, and they're all full of piss. That's right. I also have masking tape on each one of them in case I need to write another uh, cute little name for it, like Granny's Sweet Tea or Granny's Peach Tea. You know, anything like that, whenever the mood strikes me. <laughs> you know what, my man? People could say that you're a villain, but I kind of say you're a hero because all that pee 
is not being flushed into the ocean. So, actually, I think you're a good guy. I... My word. I'm not joining your fucking uh, league, though, whatever the fuck it's called. Hmm. Ha. Uh, ha. Uh, well, I, I can't say I've ever had anyone actually say that before. That's very kind of you, Aquaman. No problem. Hmm. You know, I think you have a point here, uh, especially about you, you know, making duties in the in the big blue sea there. I, I may not be too partial to the Hershey uh, bar, but um, I do think we have a little bit in common here. <laughs> My man, I know that's true. But, uh... Where are you going to put that jar now? Hmm, hadn't thought about it. Would you like it as a gift? And since you've been fill, filling it up during this whole conversation. Yes, sorry, I didn't mean to offend. Uh, I might invite you on board, but uh, like you said, you don't have to use the bathroom. So um, I just think I'll uh, tuck the jar inside my jacket for now. What? Wait, what is that? I see something else bubbling up from the uh, briny deep. What? Arthur, what in holy hell is going on here? You're talking to one of the surface dwellers, and he's got his pants down around his ankles, and dear God, he's holding a mason jar. What the fuck? Arthur, is this the kind of people you're getting involved with these days? The king of Atlantis is up here talking to a man holding a jar of piss? My man, this guy is a hero. Every time he pisses in a mason jar, doesn't come and fill our lungs. So, I think you need to see this for what it is, Volko. He's saving Atlantis. Oh my god, all I hear is a bunch of potty talk. Look, okay, maybe he's not flushing a toilet, but he's still weird. He's got all these mason jars of urine hanging around. You know, you two have more in common than you might think. I think that's self-evident. Go hop up in this jacuzzi there and, and lay another sea turtle like you did with Aqualad and see how much he appreciates your company then. Ahoy, Captain! What are you doing over there in the jacuzzi? Oh, you know, nothing. Just relaxing. Go on, keep talking to those fish people. My man, you look a little bit too relaxed, if you know what I mean. I know that look. Oh, I see. Looks like uh, your captain's laid a little sea turtle up there in your jacuzzi. Disgusting. Welcome, everyone. We have an important announcement. We are no longer superhero stuff you should know right now. We are supervillain stuff you should know. <laughs> I've been <laughs> waiting! Yes. <laughs> I've been waiting! We dive into the most iconic villains of the DC Universe <laughs> and how they've been seen in the Snyderverse, starting with Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor. It is I, once again, Ben, and with me... It's Andrew, everybody, and I think this is going to be Zach's favorite episode of all time. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, congratulations, Zach, on this episode. I, I think you were seriously overblowing my interest in Eisenberg's Lex Luthor. <laughs> but I am excited. Uh, was I, though? <laughs> was I, though? <laughs> I told you, Zach, to come prepared with a jar of your own pee yeah. just for this episode. Your so homework, man. I hope you have that somewhere. It's off screen. You're going to be diving in. Okay. He could prepare don't want people to He's preparing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> if we stop talking, you can hear the, the you know, the little trinkling in the background. That's like right. Last, that last episode, he and Dustin liked Eisenberg Lex, and I was like, you're the only two motherfuckers <laughs> on the planet that like this guy. At least, at least the ones we know. So <laughs> I think we've obviously made our opinions known on Eisenberg's Lex Luthor, where, just to recap for those that didn't watch our Batman vs. Superman 
Snyder vs. Critics series. Andrew and I, not necessarily fans. Zach, however, is a fan, but we might have overblown his love for the character. Slight, slightly above indifferent. But no. I, choose, I choose to think that he loves that Lex. It just makes it funnier for me. Yeah. Just, he just he does like you do like to play the character. Yes, yes, very much. Yeah, the char- Yeah, that is it is funny. All, all the the twitching and, and all that. <laughs> the, the the little uh, the verbal, verbal ticks. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> people have blasted Eisenberg's Lex for being more like the Joker or like the Riddler than like Lex Luthor, while Snyder fans have praised the performance and said that uh, people don't who don't like Eisenberg's Lex just don't understand the character of Lex at all. So I want to put that to the test. I wanted to devote an episode solely to Lex Luthor, the different iterations of Lex Luthor who tie into Eisenberg's version. So we're going to go through the comic book history, but ones who are specifically influential on the Eisenberg version. And then we're going to go into the Eisenberg version himself. So we're, this is a whole episode dedicated to just Eisenberg Lex. Yes. Well, for all of you people like Zach and Dustin out there, this is welcome. Yes. This is <laughs> super villain. Fucking welcome. This has got to be the this first of it. its kind. If I were to go on YouTube right now and look up something about Eisenberg's Lex Luthor, I don't think there's a whole video dedicated to him. So, uh, bravo. Uh, you, well, are, there are a few. But they're all hate. Not nearly as long as ours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get the deep. Maybe like five minutes, fifteen minutes. But uh, no, I don't know how long this one is going to be. But it's definitely not going to be fifteen minutes. Three parter. Three parter. <laughs> 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 then he shaved his head again. <laughs> so let's, then he got some new cufflinks. Let's go into comic book history of Lex Luthor, the specific versions who are influential on the Jesse Eisenberg version. I'm not going to go through every single version of Lex Luthor ever, because then that's going to be a three-parter. That, yeah, that would yeah. definitely... It's only a seven-year history there. Or yes. 80? Uh, showed up a little bit after Superman. 81, 1940. 80, okay, 81. He appears the same year in comics as the Joker. Hmm. Oh, goddamn, the two best villains. Yep. So, Luthor himself first appears in Action Comics number 23 in 1940, written by Jerry Siegel and art by Joe Schuster, the creators. As you do. Actually, could be before Superman in a sense, right? The, that Man of Steel ahead, yeah. thing. I, I love bringing this point. This is my main point yes. I bring up. But, uh, yeah, so it was uh, this short story that Siegel and Schuster wrote before Superman. It was mostly prose. It wasn't a comic book. But above it, it was for a pulp comic or something. Uh, I forget what it uh, debuted in, but mm-hmm. um, it shows an evil scientist, and he's called the Man of Steel in that, right? Or it's uh, well, he's Superman, the Superman, yeah, 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 Superman, yeah. yeah. And, and he's, he's evil. He's bald, and he's he's also mm-hmm. bald, and it's he's a mad scientist type, right? Basically, um, I believe he has powers, though. Okay, and he has, but he's evil, definitely evil. Yeah, he's yes. evil. And they they sort of reconfigured him for. Lex Luthor. Kind of. Kind of. Not originally. Okay. So we're going to dive into it. In the original comic, so actually comics number 23, Siegel and Schuster, inks by Paul Picassidy, uh, this issue is actually referenced in Batman versus Superman. When Lex is in prison, he is prisoner AC 23, 1940. Take that, Snyder. Haters. It's <laughs> in Action Comics 23 <laughs> from 1940. So that's already in there. Uh, in the comic, Luthor is just called Luthor. There's no Lex Yet. Oh, interesting. He would not actually be called Lex Luthor for another 20 years. Actually. John Luthor. <laughs> He's just Luthor. <laughs> okay. He wow. also has red hair. 
Oh yeah. In this, in he's, the original, he's not bald at all. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and that's kind of been cited by Snyder as the reason why Luthor is has the red hair in Batman versus Superman. He was going off of this original comic. As much as I, as much as we've covered, much of you've told us about Snyder <laughs> over these deep dives. Definitely, definitely, yeah. he knew that, and he put that in there, and he knew that there were going to be haters. Like, why isn't he bald? But yeah. he knew he knows what he's doing with this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Uh, looks wise, the red hair is the main similarity between Eisenberg's Lex and the original. Uh, this Lex wears long red robes. He kind of reminds <laughs> me of Emperor Palpatine. Mm. Here, it's in the. We have this comment for those looking at the video. I have our collection of Superman versus Lex Luthor, and so I like to live a life of comfort. <laughs> so. I can't be burdened by pants. Here he is. I'm going to show it to Andrew first, and then we're going to show <laughs> okay. it to the audience. <laughs> He's so, also a little I don't know if you on can the bigger see, side. guys, but uh, yeah, in the uh, you can we'll show it to you in the show notes. Uh, yeah, yeah. To make Check it a little show easier. Notes. But, good, good, good plug on that. <laughs> uh, he is kind of like Emperor Palpatine in a way. So we first meet him when his lackey General Lupo shows up in a cave, and Lupo. Lupo is his name. General Lupo is the first henchman that we meet of Lex Luthor. And Lupo, he goes <laughs> not, into this not cave. Beppo. Beppo. No. <laughs> they like names that end in O. <laughs> or start with L. Yes. yes. So uh, Lupo goes in, and the, the rock wall forms into the face of Luthor. And he's like, speak to me. Tell me what the latest update is. He's, My name like, is Lupo. <laughs> Something else. Is Luthor the Mad Monk, do you think? That's his secret identity? That's a good question. So the mad, the mad Monk, for those who don't know, is the red-robed vampire who Batman fought in uh, Detective Comics number 31 and 32. So I don't think that there was much of an influence on there, but I think it's just make him look satanic. I don't know. Put some red robes on him. Boom. The red done. robes do make it. He, it I, I thought of like an, a kind of a cult or like an evil wizard kind of thing yeah. when you showed me that comic yeah. just now. It, it does look yeah. like that. It's, it's very different from the Lex Luthor who we know. Yeah. Uh, and of course we've got the whole Palpatine thing where he's like, speak to me, general. <laughs> yes. to me. And Superman <laughs> comes in to interrogate the general and Luthor is just like, none shall speak for me. And out of the rock face shoots out green laser eyes that slices the guy in half. Wow, that was in a 1940s comic? <laughs> that is Luthor's first kill in the 1940s wow. comic. Is his own henchman for speaking to Superman because he knows too much. Uh, Luthor is also hinted as having some kind of hypnotic influence on other people to do his bidding. Okay, so a sort of, uh, what do you call it, animal attraction. Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. They say Charles Manson had that. Like, just a way to yeah. really uh, get into somebody's psyche if, yeah, very easily. It could either be, it's either, it's kind of ambiguous to me. And it's either he has a hypnotic powers or it's the more realistic version of what you were saying. Where it could go either way. Charisma. Yeah, it could go either way. Wider dependent. So, uh, Luthor's main plot in this is trying to start a war between two fictional countries, Ga- Galonia and Toran. And Luther is planning to pit the countries against each other so that he can eventually step in once they're weakened and become master of the world. Again, this is still 1940. And get one million dollars. <laughs> so he wants world domination from the beginning. By the way, kids from the 90s, putting your pinky up to your mouth like this was, makes you look like Dr. Evil, which is an old movie called Austin Powers. Ancient film. Uh, yes. Ancient classic films. <laughs> Uh, at one point, Luthor kidnaps Lois Lane, and when Superman arrives to rescue her, Luthor knows to threaten her in order to make Superman do what he wants. So, okay. just to recap then, we have a red-haired Luthor who tries to stage a war by pitting two sides against each other, kills his own henchmen, and endangers Lois Lane to make Superman do what he wants. 
Sound familiar? Great. Hmm. So a lot of these elements, as you can see, go into the Eisenberg Lex. Him putting two wars against each other, replace yeah. the countries with Batman and Superman. Right, right, right. Okay. So what do you guys think of this cult leader Luthor? In a way? I don't know. It sounds kind of wild. He reminds me of the <laughs> the Gnome King from Return to Oz when you said that the rock formed into his face. <laughs> oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't know if you either of you have seen that, but yeah, it's, it kind of reminded me of it. This Luthor seems to have more of a uh, supernatural quality to him, which is kind of interesting compared to what my idea of Lex Luthor is now. But it's yeah. interesting to think of him with, does he have long, wavy red hair and a red robe? No, he's just got, like, sh- it's it's not like Eisenberg's hairstyle. It's more just, like, just short crop. Yeah, it's almost gotcha. a buzz. A little bit more than a buzz cut. Okay. It's shorter than yeah. mine. I was thinking it was, like, long, wavy red hair and the red robe. I was like, he's <laughs> he's got it going on. <laughs> you like him even more now. Do you want to draw that as well? So that I don't... Just put Eisenberg in the long red robe. I'm surprised. Justice League. His hair. Zach's Justice League is Baby Doomsday, <laughs> Beetle, Beetle, Beetle Bat, Bat and uh, this Lex. Yes, and the tit-headed Mr. Big Spit Lick. <laughs> That's what, four or five, right? Yep. Sure. You need seven, I guess. We're going to get two more for you, man. Eventually. We'll get there. Yeah. Um, I mean, him... Uh, creating the conflict so that he can benefit either way yeah. from either outcome. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's awesome villain writing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, good guys could do that too, I think. Uh, but yeah. the, the fact that it involves such manipulation is, I think, the most interesting part of this so far, other than the red robes. I, I want to see him back in the red, <laughs> like an evil fucking wizard. <laughs> evil wizard Lex. Get back to the comics. Yes, yes. Uh, but yeah, yeah the manipulation is cool mm-hmm. and if it is a realistic route, his like Charles Manson animal attraction kind of thing. Yeah. 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 I can yeah. See that. Awesome. Uh, Luther would continue to fight Superman with his red hair. And we covered this in the Radio Superman deep dive that we did. But yeah. it was a mistake from artist Leo Novak who thought that Luthor was bald and drew him as bald. That created the perception. Of Didn't it. you draw this guy <laughs> back in the other story in that other <laughs> So there are a few potential sources for who we got him mixed up with. Some say it was there's a bald henchman, actually, of Lex Luthor's in uh, the original comics. That's so probably what happened. They thought that he was looking through and he was just like, oh, there's Luthor. He's this bald guy. And he just draws him bald. And then he's like, oh, wait, that was Luthor, that was the henchman. See, that's the simplest, most boring answer, and that's probably the correct one. Yeah, it probably. You know? <laughs> but other ones are the ultra, the ultra humanite. Now, the ultra humanite might be known from the Justice League cartoon as a giant talking monkey, okay. <laughs> gorilla <Beppo>? type. <laughs> Beppo's grandpa. <laughs> he was actually he started off as a bald mad scientist in a wheelchair. Okay, so he's a bald man, okay. and then he would just transfer his mind from one person to the next until eventually ending up in you know the giant gorilla so a bald guy in a wheelchair with mind powers yeah. <laughs> this is a lot before x-men <laughs> yes that too so either was ultra humanite or as we covered and theorized in the radio superman one there was the villain the yellow mask okay who was a radio superman villain who was recurring and showed up with a yellow mask and domino a bald mask. head. Yeah, a domino yellow mask okay. and a bald head. And one of his plots was to uh, blow up a dam to cause a flood, which is what we see in Superman 78 with Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor. Now, okay. obviously, yeah. they didn't know that back in 1940. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's an interesting connection nonetheless. But anyway. They could have drawn on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah but in the 70s. It's Leo Novak who is the reason why Lex Luthor is seen as bald for all eternity now. Right, right, right. 
uh, and it would take 20 years for there to be an explanation <laughs> in terms of what happened. <laughs> Thanks to Jerry Siegel. Oh, Siegel actually, okay. Siegel, in 1960, writes Adventure Comics number 271 with art by Al Plastino in the story How Luthor Met, not Superman, Superboy. 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 (laughs) So, and it is here where, um, so they meet in Smallville. It's revealed that Luthor grew up in Smallville. And Superboy meets him and, you know, he ends up encountering kryptonite and the boy young luthor helps get rid of it so that he can save superboy because he's a huge superboy fan and superboy is like hey like thanks a lot what's your this name luthor is a superboy fan yeah okay because this is them just meeting for the first time okay superboy is like what's your name kid and he's like my name is lex lex luthor and that's the first time that he's called lex luthor so siegel created lex the lex part he, he's yeah Okay. Well, he also created Luthor in general. Well, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. Now, he added. He's playing ball with this new version of Lex Luthor. It's like, oh, created. you changed my shit around, but I'll <laughs> add something back to it. <laughs> I don't think he was that attached to the original anyway. Yeah. He's just like, uh, oh, they like this, this guy seems the most. Better. Yeah. <laughs> so he's a huge Superboy fan, and he says, "I'm going to create an antidote for you okay. uh, for a Kryptonite." Uh, let's keep in mind this version of Lex has short brown hair. Okay. At this moment, so he does not have the uh, short red hair from the original 1940. No robes. Uh, no robes. He looks like a regular kid. I will show it to you right now. So this Little is baby Lex. this is what he looks like. Oh, right here. It's very generic. Yeah. Yeah, it's just generic white dude. <laughs> For sure. It up, but I'll also uh, show it in the show notes. Yeah. Really. So anyway, they he decides I'm going to create this antidote for kryptonite. God. Yeah. You know what? There's something interesting about how this is drawn, and we can maybe show this later. But mm-hmm. he it, he's drawn like that. How do I say this? The creepy suburbia white white dude. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's evil behind that nor those normal eyes. Yes. Well, he's not evil yeah. yet. He only becomes evil in the story. Now look at this guy, man. He's already evil. See that? He's well, he's, 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 he's doing evil science doing already. His, cause remember, he's trying to create an antidote to kryptonite. He's trying to make him immune to kryptonite. It's called concentrating, Andrew. <laughs> When you furl your eyebrows, it makes <laughs> you look evil. So, uh, Lex creates this experiment, but the experiment goes wrong and creates a fire. Okay. And Superboy is like, I have to stop the fire. So he uses his super breath on the fire, but as a result, the chemicals go through Lex's hair and he loses all his hair. Oh, shit. Superman's responsible for the... Superboy. Super, Superboy is responsible. But Superboy is Superman at this time, though, right? I this mean, it's, not, it's still Clark Kent. This is Clark Kent, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, 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 yeah. that's what that's who Superboy was for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was like, now I'm bald. And uh, Superboy's like, but it was an accident. And Luthor's like, don't lie. You were jealous of my genius. So you deliberately broke those bottles. <laughs> and <destroyed laughs> my formula, which was the result of thousands of experiments. He's also furling the hell out of his fucking Well, because he's evil now. <laughs> All it took was the loss of his hair. That's right. So, <laughs> well... Bald dudes are evil, dude. So he wants this to avenge, moral of the story. <laughs> avenge himself now that he's lost his hair <laughs> and decides to become Superboy's sworn enemy ever since. So that escalated quickly. Let's talk about. The meme says. Let's talk. Since we're on this point, yeah. this is obviously a huge part of the character. And, like, why does something like this stick, you know, with. Uh, like the metaphors involved with with mythological characters, you have Superman, who was a who is an image of perfection, mm-hmm. um, basically, right? Yeah, he's not even a man, mm-hmm. but I mean, not even a full human, right? Not even human. And then you have Lex Luthor, who is especially in these later versions, he he it kind of is the vision of human perfection, 
Uh, if you're talking about like Buff Lex from All-Star yeah, Superman. Buff Lex. He he, and that's why he's uh, he's he's sort of like jealous slash xenophobic mm-hmm. um, about Superman, and which is kind of a si- little bit a related issue, but not mm-hmm. the exact one I'm making right now. Well, he's got a bald head, so it's this um, visual identifier in the comics for children, also, but also for adults. That sorry for anybody that actually is bald out there, but we could say that it is maybe a sign of human imperfection. Despite everything that he's done, mm-hmm. he is still not perfect. And not to say that bald men are imperfect, but this is a visual identifier for comics mm-hmm. to kind of be to hint at something deeper, right? I think. I mean, I don't think Novak was thinking about that when he did that, but I think that's a, definitely a good point in terms yeah. of like that. It's a Especially with this new context that Superboy is responsible for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like, yeah. not only am I left with this, but you're responsible for my imperfection. Exactly. So, I mean, all that is in there. Mm-hmm. And look, like you said, I don't think it was probably in there to begin with. Right. But there have been 80 years of evolution of <laughs> yeah. this comic book. Just, yeah. And what do exactly. people do over this time? You add more and more metaphor, mm-hmm. more and more meaning to something that originally had no fucking meaning at all. I mean, exactly. you look at the S on his chest. Now it means hope. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, it's just that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, things are added over time, yeah. right? Exactly. Everybody that's yeah. bald uh, on YouTube, make sure you go into the comments section and <laughs> let Andrew know what you think. He thinks that you're evil. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait to read these comments. Don't you think that Lex could have just shaved Superman's head to get even with him? Like that's He'd need what? a hell of a razor. He would need a kryptonite razor in order to do that. I think he, that's fine though. Like if that's his ultimate revenge, you know, like it's not like he. It's <laughs> not like to go a little deeper. It's not like Superman like accidentally murdered his family and all this stuff. It's just like he caused him to go bald and that that spurned Lex into becoming his arch enemy and wanting Superman's death. It just seems a little extreme. <laughs> it is a little bit of an extreme. Yeah. But. It's 1960, everybody. That's true. You know, baby steps, baby <laughs> steps. I don't think all the stuff I just said was really applying just no, yet, either. Yet. Yeah. Uh, but this is the first time that Lex's turn to evil is connected to the loss of his hair. Yeah. Uh, this was actually adapted into Super Friends. <laughs> History of Doom actually do this exact scene okay. uh, as a flashback where he loses his hair. Uh, a version of this was also adapted in the Superboy show from the 1980s, though at that point Lex was already an antagonist, okay. and then Superboy made it worse by accidentally causing his hair loss. Okay. Uh, other versions are less directly tied into the hair loss, so Smallville had a version of it where the meteor shower that came down with Clark's spaceship is also responsible for uh, Lex losing his hair at that. Just but strains not... of alopecia in that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but the version, Reverse Rogaine. the version in Batman vs Superman might be the first time where it's due to literally just a shaved head, you know, from due to prison. Uh, Superman oh, yeah. is kind yeah. of responsible for it since he's in prison just because he tried to kidnap Superman's mom right, and right, all that right, type right, of stuff. Right. Uh, but it is also something that I point out to you guys in sharing the scene where the shaving of Lex's head is very similar to a scene from Smallville where they shave yeah. Lionel Luther's head in prison. And, you know, both are landing in prison. Both have scenes where they're getting their heads shaved. And both men have kind of already won in some way, even though they're in prison and, and have the shaved head. Hmm. So that's where, that's kind of the connections. There. I do have something to ask, because Lex is placed in Arkham, right? In BVS, yeah. 
Why did they shave his head? They don't shave everybody else's head when they get sent to Arkham. Oh, that's a, that's a good question. So in the, sure, ultimate, thought of that. in the Ultimate Edition, he is, has a shaved head in prison, and then when Batman comes to visit him, he says, you're getting transferred to Arkham. That's right. Oh, well, okay. That's explained. Yeah. <laughs> Take that, Snyder haters. It's only explained, though, in the Ultimate Edition, not in the theatrical version. <laughs> Still, he co- covered his base again. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah I, thought I, amazing. Had, I thought I had missed something, because I was like, well, damn, every time there's a new... That's supposed to be like a home for the criminally insane or emotionally troubled... You wouldn't think like, all right, here, you nut job, come on, I'm going to shave your head for you, throw you in this padded room. It just seems a little bit insensitive, but now it makes sense. <laughs> Trained professionals are not saying nut job. There you go. I mean, if you're working at Arkham, I don't know. But yeah, Lex gets his head shaved, Joker gets tattoos. I don't know how this world works. Arkham's security is just a little lax, I think. A little, a we know that. Yeah. They always escape. Uh, let's see. We did bring up Super Friends earlier. Luthor brings together the Legion of Doom and Super Friends, just like Eisenberg's Lex was meant to bring t- them together in Justice League 2. Uh, the Legion of Doom was a creation specifically for the Super Friends show in okay. 1978. There was yeah. no... I mean, there had been other versions of like a supervillain team beforehand, yeah. but nothing to that big of an extent. So ah, first shown, really? Okay, yeah, interesting. First shown in 1978's Challenge of the Super Friends, and now you got that famous shot of them, you know, on that table yeah that sort of u-shaped table and then you know the darth vader helmet looking hall of doom and all that type of stuff that's all from the tv show super Uh, friends is not on um hbo max right now is it it's going it's coming though i think it's coming by the time this hits i think it will be really okay good there's there's so many fans of that it was a little bit before our time but not that we only watched up from our time but Mm -hmm. um i i I caught some of it for sure i think it was on cartoon network back in the day I definitely want to check it out. Yeah, yeah. I've seen I've seen a couple episodes, but not as much as I probably should have. Well, History of Doom is the one with the the hair loss, and then okay. Challenge of the Super Friends is the one that introduces the Legion of Doom. Which so, okay. those are at least the classic. Which episode? What, he, uh, what color is his hair before he loses it? In that? Same thing in here. Oh, right. okay, okay. Which episode is the one that uh, has the Scarecrow in it, and you see like Batman's origin? That's in the final season of uh, Galactic Guardians: The Superpowers Team called the fear okay i thought that was super friends well i mean it is it's the final iteration of super friends it's still super friends but like obviously the title changed Mm -hmm. and then some of the voice cast changed which is why we get adam west as batman it's called galactic guardians yep Hmm. i didn't even know this we brought it up in like two or three i remember you you talking about adam west (laughs) forget about this name though wow Zach made a whole joke about uh, Galactic Guardians sounding like uh, some other team. Yes. Oh, yeah. Probably. I remember that now. <laughs> <laughs> it's all a fate. All a haze so... to Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> I swear I retain a lot of this. So the Legion of Doom would evolve into the Injustice League in the comics. They would show up decades later, and that would kind of be the comic book version of the Legion of Doom. And that's okay. what they were referred to in okay. Zack Snyder's Justice League, too. Just... Probably because he didn't want to call them the Legion of Doom. That seems a little on the nose these days yes. in the 2020s. But Sounds yeah. awesome, though. It does sound and, awesome. And, and uh, Bumblebee, the uh, the uh, Transformers movie, there's a scene where they're like, you know, they call themselves the Decepticons, right? <laughs> we can't really trust them. <laughs> they can't call out that whole thing. I also noticed in X-Men, Brian Singer 
the first movie with Brian Singer, Magneto says we're the Brotherhood of Mutants, not evil mutants, just Brotherhood of Mutants. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> about evil because it's like, eh, I don't know if he'd be that self-aware. <laughs> yeah, not not the not the worst change. Yeah, not they the made worst, they made yeah. they made worse it changes than that. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, let's go to the 1980s. So in the 1980s, the post-crisis, this was post-crisis, post-crisis on Infinite Earths, and they decided to reboot Superman in a title called The Man of Steel. And this John Burns? John Burns. Yeah, John yeah, Burns yeah. comes up with the idea that Lex Luthor is not a mad scientist, but actually a corrupt CEO, a corrupt businessman. Mm-hmm. True okay, yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is the beginning of corrupt CEO Lex Luthor, who Eisenberg plays, and that characterization has lasted until this day. Eisenberg is actually the first actor to play this version of Lex on film. Okay. Because beforehand it was basically Kevin Spacey, and Kevin Spacey's version was already a known criminal. Gene Hackman. Basically doing Gene Hackman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, So other live-action TV versions had done it before anyway, but this is the first time that was on film. Okay. Uh, This version also has red hair starting off and is already balding. I think you might remember seeing this. Uh, Zach, have you read this comic? I have not. So in this one, famous reboot. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So he looks like he's he's like kind of got the uh, definitely balding look, but still oh, some yeah. red hair. Yeah. I've seen that early. picture. He's a little overweight. Yeah. So interesting take, but it seems like Lex loses his hair like naturally, or potentially due to the stress of fighting Superman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Two issues later, he's just it's completely <laughs> too much room for my brain. <laughs> Not enough room for my hair. So uh, the first live-action interpretation of this version of Lex Luthor was in the Lois and Clark TV show in the 90s with actor John Shea as Lex, who also had hair, starting out in the role. Uh, This is also, I believe, the first time Lex Luthor was shown to learn Clark Kent's true identity as Superman. And he even has a whole scene where he threatens to kill Jonathan and Martha Kent. Okay. Mm. So this sort of predates the Snyderverse as well, because as we noted, like Lex already knows that Clark is Superman before the movie even starts. Every version seems to have him have hair at first. Oh yeah, almost every version. Almost I mean, every Hackman kind of because of the wig thing. Oh yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but you yeah. still see him with who you think he has hair. Yeah, right. So it's just like there was a lot of people online about Snyder's uh, about Eisenberg's like having hair. Like, why isn't he bald? You know, it's like every version. Every has version. Hair. Yeah, <laughs> almost every version. Yeah, just read the comics. So we have one notable thing about Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor is that people note that he is formally said in the movie as Alexander Luthor Jr. With people yes, bringing up yes. the fan theory that he is actually the son of the real Lex Luthor, not the real Lex Luthor, because I guess people who hated the portrayal were hoping mm-hmm. that like, he would get killed off by his own dad. S- sounds like a bargain off. Snyder made with the producers. Like, hey, if, if everybody hates him, we can walk it back and bring daddy in. Potentially. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> However, I, I do want to bring up, we did get a Lex Luthor Jr. in the post-crisis comics, kind of. Lex Luthor Jr. had long red hair, and he was around when Superman killed Doom, uh, was killed by Doomsday. Okay. However, there's a bit of a complicated backstory to this, because he's you technically not... I mean, this is, again, this is 90s Superman, and as we discovered yeah. in the return, Death and Return of Superman deep dive... They were like, well, if we're going to do an origin for this, we got to make this as complicated as possible. Whether it's Henshaw or the Eradicator. They'll be fine. They got the young brains. So, what happens is Lex Luthor, the one we know, the the balding one who ends up being fully bald, gets a hold of Kryptonite and decides, well, in order to get Superman off my back, I'm going to wear this all the time. And he puts it in a ring that he wears. Okay. Uh, and he's like, this should be fine. This is great. And then it's like, sir, you have cancer because of the radiation yep. of the kryptonite on your hand. Oh, yeah. So cool irony there for Lex. 
Uh, so this he, happened in the comics in the 90s. In the comics, yeah, yeah. yeah. So in order to save himself, he becomes an amputee. So he has he cuts off his hand, uh, or gets his hand cut off. Uh, so he can be buds full. with Aquaman at this time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but Give me one of them water hands. Apparently that's not enough. So to save himself further, he uh, fakes his death and has himself cloned and has his brain transferred into the clone's body. <laughs> okay, here we so go. So now I he feel is like we're just starting. in his clone, <laughs> and he comes out and pretends that he is, is his own son, Lex Luthor II, who has long hair and a beard. So I know Zach has a copy of the, <laughs> of the comic. Uh, on a, yeah, I'm transferring my body into the most hair, <laughs> one of the most hair possible. <laughs> and because he's supposedly grown up in Australia this whole time, Lex Luthor II has an Australian accent. What? Really? Hey, good day. I'm Lex Luthor II. Mel Gibson should play Lex Luthor, dude. <laughs> in the 90s. Yeah. yeah. He's already evil. <laughs> but it's really the Lex Luthor we know in a different body. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's still funny, though. But it's, it's again, overly complicated. There's a reason why this never carried over into any of the adaptations. It's not in Superman the Animated Here's Series. Here's much. Hold on. Okay, so, so he's showing a picture of a comic. Zach yeah. is... Oh, yeah. He's right yeah, there. It's bearded. It was very important for yeah. Lex in his new body to have a lot of hair for obvious reasons. I could I could understand that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I so, did think was cool though, I did watch the animated Death of Superman and it was it was like his disguise to go out in public. So I was like, yeah. oh that's funny. Yeah, he looks yeah. Amish. He's got his little Amish <laughs> kind of chin beard. Reddish uh, reddish brownish hair. Yeah. Yes. So uh, this was the only time this has been adapted is in the BBC radio version of the Death and Return of Superman with actor William Hootkins, Lieutenant Eckhart putting on an Australian accent to be the new Lex Luthor. Did you listen to this? I did, yeah. How is this rendition? It's the most faithful version of the comic. Is it like... Okay, all right, It's pretty cool. solid uh, as a version of it. Some of the some of the voice acting's a little... It's not quite, you know, the Bruce Timm animated series level on it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I personally thought they made Steel sound like Mike Tyson as opposed to, like, <laughs> an intelligent scientist. Oh, no. <laughs> steps forward a couple steps back yeah i'm like uh like it would make sense if he was like mike tyson but he's not he's supposed to be a genius engineer scientist some scientists can talk like that man i guess Don't worry so about it. but he doesn't seem like he talks like that in the comics but did anyway. he have a fucking face tattoo too the, they didn't say anything about that he had the <laughs> ass on his cheek <laughs> and then the guy who's playing voicing superboy is clearly a grown man pretending to be a teenager and puts on like a very whiny voice the whole a time. grown british dude trying to be an american teenager <laughs> i don't she know if he's wins. british but yeah he, he does sound it does definitely sound like an adult pretending to be a teenager but anyway oh, we'll put man. those in the show notes we put them in the show notes for the death of lovely superman anyway lovely uh i first heard about this version when there were rumors about this version of Lex showing up in Batman vs. Superman in 2002. So this is not the Zack Snyder version, but the Wolfgang Peterson version. I Am Legend like, hey, version. Yeah. yeah, the one that was referenced in I Am Legend. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I read the script for that, which we'll be covering at some point later this year, uh, he was not in that. It was a traditional Lex Luthor. So it was okay. just a rumor at the time. But I remember being like, wait, who's Lex Luthor the second, and why does he have long hair? And then I read up on it, and I'm like, that sounds complicated. What's still this weird? Man, remember that time? People talk about this all the time, that are our age especially, but it's like, 
we they put that Easter egg in I Am Legend, and it was like, poppycock. It'll never happen. I know. And fucking um, what's his name showing up at the end of all the pre-Disney uh, 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 Marvel movies? Fucking um, Fury showing up at the end. Even he shows up at like three movies. Mm-hmm. It's like, ah, it'll never happen. <laughs> and, uh, it was More likely at the time, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it just seemed, yeah, because they actually had those movies. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's just weird. It was so unimaginable at the time. And now, you know? now we got a Loki TV show. <laughs> on an Alfred Plus. show. And an Alfred show on Epic. <laughs> like everybody gets a TV show at some point. But uh, yeah, so Lex Luthor has yet to get his own TV show, but that's okay. Uh, let's... On TV, we maybe though, don't need that see one. Him. Although, maybe uh, if it was on HBO Max, I'd watch it. Yeah, I know I would. That Man of Steel comic. You ever read the Man of Steel Lex? We'll be uh, covering comic? it in this, actually. Okay. There's some connections to the it's Eisenberg class. Interesting, because I read that one because I read that one, but I um, <laughs> I wanted to know, like, I wanted to uh, unpack who Lex is. That's definitely you know? a good one for that. Yeah, yeah it's probably yeah, one yeah. of my favorite ones in terms of diving into Lex's character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but let's see. Lex does indicate in the movie that his father was abusive with his father's, quote, fists and abominations. Uh, people have read into it that Lex may have killed his own father in retaliation for the abuse. Could happen. Zack Snyder was supportive of this fan theory, as he is with all fan theories, I feel. <laughs> he does that is completely contradictory. He's a fan it. of people talking about him. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> he said, quote, we feel the same about Lex taking out his dad in a Vero comment. So, Okay, we feel the same. We feel the okay, same. Okay, so it's a, it's a slight <clears throat> confirm. It's a soft confirm. It, it could have been they planned for it and wanted to hint at it, or he heard about it and was just like, eh, sounds like a good idea. Let's do it. Let's say that it's canon. Because <laughs> why not? Lex uh, Luthor <laughs> Jr.? There is precedent for this, however, in the post-crisis comics, and this was revealed in the comic Lex Luthor, the unauthorized biography by James D. Hudnell as the uh, as the writer, art by Eduardo Barreto, and coloring by Adam Kubert. This is famous because it's the cover of Lex Luthor that has eerie similarities to the cover of the art of the deal. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. You've seen so this online. Yeah. It's gone, it's gone yeah. all over It's online. evil. Yeah. I mean, uh, what? <laughs> so Lex Luthor goes up in poor in the suicide slum of Metropolis, and uh, he does not start off rich in the post-crisis comics. Okay. Uh, and he becomes rich because he puts a life insurance policy on his parents and then stages a car accident to kill them and collect the money. This is great. I mean, I think that's yeah. good. That's good. <laughs> so... That's what ended up happening in the post-crisis version. He killed his own parents in order to get the money to start LexCorp. Okay. Uh, this is actually shown in the Superboy show where the first actor to play Lex's father is, and this threw me when I first read it, Edgar Allan Poe the Fourth. Hmm. What? Edgar Allan Poe, his, I think, I don't know which grand or great-grandson or whatever. Well, actually, yeah, it's in the title. Which, what am I talking about? But yeah. His, yeah, four greats, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, his descendant is the first actor to play Lex Luthor's dad. He's fucking acting. Yes. That guy, That's that weird. Exists. He exists, yeah. I had no idea. I just thought it was John Glover in Smallville. I wear Raven shirts all the time. <laughs> no, I don't know. Now you know the connection between Poe and uh, Superman. But, yeah. Jesus, man. That's crazy. It's crazy, yeah. So Jeff Johns' Secret Origin comics would do a variation of it, but instead of the car accident, like he tries to do it through a car accident, but then Superboy saves Lionel Luther. Okay. Lex is dead. And so Lex resorts to messing with his heart medication and then killing him that way. Uh, in the show Smallville, Lionel Luther is probably the most famous version of Lex's dad, played by yeah. John Clover. And in that version, 
the Luthers are already a rich family with a mansion and all that, and his dad okay. is sort of a very emotionally and verbally abusive character, very Machiavellian who would, Machiavellian who would be influential on Lex when he becomes an adult. Uh, and uh, he does end up hitting young Lex at one point in a flashback after blaming Lex for the death of his brother, believing that Lex had smothered his brother to death, when in reality it was Lionel's wife. Okay. In order to protect the child from ever being raised by a monster like Lionel. So there was a lot of fucked up stuff going on in the okay. Luther family in that show. Okay, a lot uh, going on there. But Not as complicated as the other one, though. Yeah, There's not no clones not in that. Less complicated <laughs> before. Like, this the show, like, really... I know we haven't really covered a ton of Smallville. We, we've mentioned it every now and then with these evolution episodes. And, you know, we occasionally shit on the fact that Welling didn't want to wear the suit. We <laughs> Every time we talk about it. Every time him. we talk about it. But uh, the best start part of the show is Michael Rosenbaum's Lex with John Glover's Lionel. In terms mm-hmm. of the interactions between the two and knowing what Lex is going to turn into every single step of the way. Okay. Based off of these seeds. Seven seasons in... Michael Rosenbaum's Lex Luthor shoots out a window, grabs his father, and said, I was raised in your shadow. Now you're going to die in mine. And then shoves him out the window. Right. Damn. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. So. Very recently. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the basically the evolution of Lex Luthor killing his own dad. And so the idea of Eisenberg's Lex killing his father is not that far-fetched now that we see the full history of stuff. Yes, for sure. Makes him evil. Yes. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on Lex versus his dad? No, it sounds pretty cool to me. I actually need to go back and watch those parts of Smallville because uh, I I never saw the part where he killed his dad. So you spoiled it for me, Andrew. This show from <laughs> many years ago, one. but uh, the clips yesterday. <laughs> I sent you the video. <laughs> I didn't watch it. <laughs> That's your fault, not mine. I'm, I'm gonna go and I need to go watch this now because yes, he was my favorite part, especially because yeah. John Glover did the Riddler's voice and he was. Yeah. Dr. Woodrow and everything, and Batman oh, and Robin, right, so, right. yeah. And Savannah's dad in Shazam. He's in Shazam, by the way. All right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As if you need even more incentives. <laughs> <laughs> I'm warming up to it. <laughs> but, yeah, anyway, Smallville is a major influence on not just potentially Batman versus Superman, but also the next comic book reboot on the origin of Superman, which is Superman Birthright, and that is the comic that fans often cite as the main inspiration behind the Eisenberg version of Lex Luthor. But, is it? Find out after the break. Hi, I'm Ray, and this is my friend Alex. Hi. And we do a show called No More Whoppers. Some call it corn, we call it therapy. We're adults with the virility of men. Want to hear us read snack food copy and talk about Japanese chips? Too bad! Join us every month or so on the Greenlight Podcast Network. Lord have mercy, y'all. Do you like hounds? Do you enjoy pooches? Do you find yourself enjoying time spent with that of canines? talking about dogs y'all as you might have heard superhero stuff you should know has now teamed up with bark box for every month you get a box for your special canine pooches or hounds that's right one free extra month if you go to barkbox.com slash superhero stuff pod follow the link and you'll get a free extra month valued at 35 dollars and valid for all multi-length plans so get the bark box for your hound for your pooch for your canine your doggo will thank you It's I, Eradicator, Booster Gold, and I'm here to tell you that your visor looks like shit. I may be from the future and it happened after you, but yours 
is just terrible. The the shade of yellowish orange, the amount of translucence, everything's off about it. It looks like, in a word, shit. Let's see. Human from future seems very petty to come into the past and criticize me. Hmm, excellent point there, bud. But guess what? No one can be rocking the visor like me. And I'm here to roast the shit out of you until you take that shit off. I'm the only visor guy around here. Human must realize I can kill him with my bare hands. You could try that, buddy, but guess what? I've got these force fields and these energy blasts. I too have force fields. It is on. Buddy, you seem to have damaged my visor. Now I've got to take yours and, I guess, improve it? No one takes the Eradicator's visor. It's what makes me powerful. Well, guess what? Heat vision activated. Hey, buddy, you fucked up my visor. Justice is served. Now I gotta go back to the future and use my future tech, that's super boosterific, and fix this shit. I can't believe a primitive being such as yourself has affected my technology such as this. Well, I'll be seeing ya. Target, human's asshole. Ah, fuck! That's why they called me the Eradicator. Very unboosterific of you to fucking laser my asshole. The real Superman would never laser someone's asshole like that unless they really deserved it. That's not boosterific of you at all. Well, you did kind of deserve it, but interesting point. The real Superman would not have done it, and yet I am the real Superman. So if I am not the real Superman, then what am I? It's gonna take me another thousand years of time travel to figure that one out, buddy. Eradicator has existential crisis. That circular logic would really fuck up anybody, buddy. If I am the real Superman, then I must work to replace your visor. Are you saying that we are going to resolve this without any violence? We will resolve this by buying you a new visor. My visor can't be bought at a store. It was made with future tech. Will Kryptonian tech suffice? Oh, I forgot about that. Um, yeah, I guess. And so, Booster Gold and Eradicator became best of buds. They even had a little foreplay in the Fortress of Solitude. Oh, buddy! That's why they call me the Eradicator. Oh, <laughs> boosterific! I just straight ups don't give a fucks. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Doom. Super villain stuff, you should know, continues the coverage on Lex Luthor. So, <laughs> we're t as we left off on the break, in 2003, Mark Waid did a retelling of the Superman origin story in Superman Birthright. And this version of Lex almost undeniably, un undeniably looks like the Jesse Eisenberg Lex Luthor because this is where... Zach's favorite hairstyle for Lex comes in with long, <laughs> wavy red hair. He loves it. He loves it. No ropes, though. I wish he had the rope. But just to talk about Birthright real quick. Yeah. Birthright probably needed Man of Steel, John Byrne's Man of Steel. Yeah, before. He probably coming, probably yeah. needed that. That's like the middle step. Birthright's yeah. really where we get, I think, our modern Superman. Like, I in which like way? A lot of... Just like in Man of Steel, the movie, he's kind of a wandering vagabond for a while, and I don't mm. know, just the way it was kind of like made for the, the modern part, era. Yeah. 
like John Burns was made for the modern era of the 80s, mm-hmm. revamped again in 2003. Uh, there's just, I don't know, I think a lot of the DNA of what we see, even in Superman and Lois, I guess, um, can you can trace a lot of it back to this very famous run by Mark Wade. I guess, but I also feel like Burns is still, like, had the most influence in terms of, like, Lex Luthor being a corrupt billionaire. That's true. Uh, that yeah. type of stuff. And the the idea of the Kent still being alive and now Jonathan Kent was even more of a character than before. Because right, right, right. Jonathan and Martha, to be fair, were both more of a character than they were before simply because they didn't were you know, they weren't just killed off <laughs> after he went <laughs> right. from being Superboy to Superman. Right. <laughs> so right. there's that. But um I believe the uh artist of Birthright was Lionel Yu. I forget uh, something like around uh in terms of the pronunciation, I think it's something like that. Uh but uh, just undeniably, yes in terms of visual similarities, they're there. But in terms of characteriz- characterization, that's where we need to go into the further deeper dive uh-huh. on this because a lot of Eisenberg fans have brought up, like, he's basically the birthright Lex. Yeah, there was uh, that famous that. panel that basically shows that hair, too. Yeah, I mean, um, it's, yeah, yeah, a ton of the flashbacks. So in the birthright storyline, Lex Luthor has this hair in Smallville, is a childhood friend of Clark's, just like in the Superboy uh, comic, as well as the Smallville TV show. Okay. And then due to another experiment, it, he ends up losing it in an accident, an explosion uh, that involves Clark. But he does not know that Clark has superpowers. Okay, right. So that's the version. Have you read this comic? I have Sorry. not. It's all new to me. Okay. All right, well... If you're a fan of Eisenberg's Lex, you might enjoy this one. But let's dive in and examine, is Eisenberg's Lex the birthright Lex? As I reread the, the entire thing. This is the magic question for this episode, yes, I think. Yes, I think so. Yes. Uh, I reread Birthright just to do some comparisons. So here's what I found. Uh, in both the comic and the movie, Lex is vastly intelligent and holds it above everyone else to the point of being just rude. However, he <laughs> never really speaks in big metaphors like the Eisenberg Lex. Uh, trying to be deep. This definitely seems to be a Chris Terrio and Zack Snyder thing. Yeah. Snyder definitely wanted that idea of, like, he'll talk circles around you and doesn't care if you can keep up. Talking about, like, uh, bringing down God or just something about, talking about sort of religious talk, bringing in big themes. Yeah, just yeah. in general. Yeah. Uh, so Lex has, like, one instance in Birthright, issue number six, of saying something that's that goes over Lois's head, but mostly speaks smart by speaking technically, using a lot of technical okay. terms, not necessarily from metaphors or word games. Um, this Lex does seem to enjoy himself more than the popular depiction. Uh, so, like Eisenberg's, he seems to be having a fun time, uh, but doesn't quite have the same eccentricities. He sings, like, once, which is kind of like Eisenberg's Lex. When at one point Eisenberg's Lex goes la da 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 da, there's like God. one instance. Though at one point the birthright Lex does raise his hands and say ta da, but that's that's reaching though I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm like that's it's not quite the same eccentricities. It's it's probably more of an extension of that I would say. It's mixing that Max Landis shit with yeah, with, uh, which we'll this cover comic. for those who don't know. We'll be covering that soon. Uh, yeah, that, that gets also episode. pretty deep divey at this yes. point. <laughs> yeah, uh, both versions of Lex seem to have a an emotional breakdown at some point in BVS. It's Lex seems to have it in the middle of his speech. Yeah. Uh, whereas in the Birthright storyline, Lex has a tantrum when he thinks his machine doesn't work, but it's almost written like a culmination of his insecurities coming up rather than a breakdown and meltdown in public. Is <laughs> 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 what we got in BVS. Uh, however, in terms of actions, he does flat out push Lois Lane off a building in okay. both the comic and in the movie. So that's got to happen. This there's is his main that. nemesis, dude. Yeah. It's happened like a thousand times or more. 
<laughs> so that's those are pretty much the main things I found. Outside of visual similarities, the characterization is pretty much in between the more stereotypical Lex, who's a little bit, you know, if you think the Superman animated series, is a little bit more reserved, but still vastly intelligent. Right. And then you've got the more eccentric Eisenberg. The birthright one is kind of in between, and then the Eisenberg one sort of just pushes the envelope. So, so new, new PP in birthright? <laughs> there is no urine as a plot point whatsoever. Seem to have skipped that aspect. <laughs> <Superman> birthright. <laughs> and one of the most famous <laughs> runs of, of all time. <laughs> Mark Wade, man. He fucking killed it. He, he, did, he yeah. did fucking Kingdom Come too, right? He did, yeah. He's Just a great writer. Yeah. fucking like, holy shit, dude. Killing it with Superman. I know. He's one of, real quick, he's yeah. one of the few writers that's like, straight up prefers Superman over Batman. Mm-hmm. He's totally opposite from Frank Miller probably in this regard. Even though he doesn't hate Superman Frank Miller probably doesn't hate Superman like no, he, he did a whole before. Superman year one comic. But yeah. he covered he he definitely has a preference for Batman, we could yeah. say. And many writers do. But Mark Wade, yeah, he's I've listened to a podcast like a month or so ago with him and he was like People have a hard time writing Superman. I got twenty ideas for you <laughs> right now to write how to write Superman. You just give me give me the page or whatever. Like yeah. he he has no problem writing Superman. Mm-hmm. He fucking loves it. Also, did I talk cover this before? He apparently had a when he saw Superman seventy eight in the theater when he was a kid. It he said it really changed his life. Oh, I don't and think probably I more than Man of Steel did for me. But I had a mm. sim, probably a similar thing with Man of Steel. We covered that in our old Superman episode several times. Yep. Go back and listen to those, but. Um, I did feel a little bit of a kinship with with him whenever he went over over uh, that stuff. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Interesting stuff about Mark Wade. Yes. So, any thoughts on this version of Lex Luthor in comparison to Eisenberg's? Well, other than the no PP thing, I mean, I think it's just like <laughs> I, I said. It's <laughs> it's it does seem like kind of a reach. Um, Honestly, my ideal Lex is just like from the animated series. So mm-hmm. all of them do have their differences. And I feel like, just like Andrew said, the longer a character is around, the more variations you're going to get on different writers and artist interpretations of that character. So he definitely doesn't seem as out out there as Eisenberg's Lex Luthor because you didn't mention uh, physically, I know you mentioned his hair, but is is he like of slight build or is he like kind of buff or like average kinda, he is somewhat thin yeah okay yeah, so it's, it's actually very close to Eisenberg. i can you could see why the internet went crazy with this maybe you know snyder did see some of the more recent comics uh as far as like a visual yeah. jumping off point so yeah maybe there is more uh more to those comparisons than i guess people think andrew i mean like I said, this is one of the most famous runs. This is one of my favorite ones, too. It's a lot of people's favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, like Birthright and All-Star and Man of Steel. Like, this is up there. Um, but, yeah, what was the exact question again, Ben? <laughs> Your thoughts, just in general, about Birthright, Lex versus Eisenbergs. Oh, I mean, yeah. This, Like I said, this is obviously the, the most similar one. This is... Mm-hmm. I mean, they. I think Snyder was like, I kind of want Eisenberg. Who? What can I pull? Oh, from this is in Birthright, one of the most famous comics. This is yeah. easy. I already got this made. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, I, yeah, yeah I, this is uh, an obvious pull and not a bad one. Um, I think all the stuff people don't like about Eisenberg's Lex. No offense to Mr. Landis, <laughs> but I think a lot of the the, the personality ticks he was taking are from Max Landis. 
Um, and I don't not think he has from, as many verbal tics. Not from the tongue. <laughs> Max Landis is the son of John Landis. He's yeah. he's a multimillionaire. You know, like don't feel too bad. I'm just some jackass on the internet. Mm-hmm. He ever sees this, it shouldn't affect him at all. Like, not that money cures all wounds, but I just don't think he gets like that Woody Harrelson part from Zombie Land where he's just patting <laughs> <laughs> his eyes with the dollar yeah. bills. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not hurting. Whatever we say, it's not going to hurt him. Uh, you know, and he's also he wrote American Alien. Max Landis did. Yeah, uh, yeah. this. Uh, like five or six years ago, this mm-hmm. comic run. So he's also which got they that kind of adapted into the Man of Tomorrow uh, animated film. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So he's got he's got a lot of that going on. He's a huge Superman fan, mm-hmm. but just what we'll we'll get into it probably right. We will, yeah. When we get to the Eisenberg, we might stuff. need to link those videos or something in the show. There's notes, even maybe. there's even a video of Landis talking about it. Okay, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, my verdict is that like yeah, there's some similarities, but other than the visual component, it's mostly somewhat superficial like the the he's not eccentric to the level of the Eisenberg version and it's up to you whether or not you like that or hate that but I would say it's inaccurate to say that he is completely like the birthright version the birthright one can be inspirational but he's different in the same way that I would say Heath Ledger's Joker is slightly different than the killing joke even though there is inspiration from it but there's still there are different takes on the same character you take a lot of it but you add a little bit of your own Mm -hmm. you put some Max Landis in there and boom yeah (laughs) <laughs> there you go. Uh, Mark Wade himself <laughs> said he was not a fan of Eisenberg's portrayal and nicknamed mm. him Lenny Luthor, which is the name of Lex's <laughs> idiot relative. Dude, in... we, almost wa- we almost walked out of Man of Steel, I think, when he saw yeah, the next step. Yeah. Which is like towards the end anyway. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, was, Lenny Luthor is the name of Lex's uh, stupid relative in Superman Four: The Quest for Peace. <laughs> Did he say stupid relative? John Cryer. I, I don't. Well, he's supposed to be stupid in, in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I just wonder. I could see Mark Wade being like, "Is stupid." No, relative. he just called him Lenny Luthor. And then when okay. someone noted the possible birthright influence, Wade's response in another tweet that I found said, "Quote: I can't see that period at all." Okay. So okay. that's Mark Wade's response in terms of that. Not a fan. He's a he's a comic book writer. He has opinions about these kind of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next significant storyline is Brian Azzarello and Lee Bermejo's Luthor, which is the one that you brought up. Lex, it's uh-huh. also known as okay, yeah. Luthor Man of Steel mm-hmm. from 2005. Uh, this is praised for his portrayal of Lex as a man who sees Superman as a villain, as a threat to humanity's progress, and his belief that Superman is bad and that he himself, Lex Luthor, is the good guy. Which yeah. is like my favorite characterization. Of yes. Him. Some of the best villains think that they're the hero. So this... Can I jump ahead of here? Go ahead, yeah. All right, so... This one is definitely one you should read if you haven't and you're interested in this at all because it does kind of get into the psyche, like you said, mm-hmm. of, of Lex Luthor. And like for a while, it was, it's kind of mysterious to me as to like, why do you hate Superman so much? He's great. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then you get into it, it's like, well, he is extremely ridiculously powerful. <laughs> he could kill <laughs> all of us, yeah. And he is a man as far mm-hmm. as we know. Mm-hmm. I do not trust that. Yeah. I don't trust this act. I don't like anything about it. Mm-hmm. So that's one level of it. So they go into that, but there's also like he's got a little bit of xenophobia in a sense, not uh, being afraid of a foreign. Well, he is foreign, the ultimate foreign, an alien, right? Mm-hmm. An actual alien, not an illegal resident or something like that, like an actual yeah. alien from space. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, more of a modern interpretation, but he sees himself as what should be the perfect man mm-hmm. and he's worked for it mm-hmm. superman's just born with this shit he despises that 
Uh, and um, like he just comes here and he's automatically the perfect guy. There's just some, there's just like there's these two levels here I'm talking about. Right. Make him yeah. hate, and hate then, Superman. And that, and once you learn yeah. that, it's like oh, this is a very well thought out uh, villain. On top of the fact that he's bald. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's also an element of envy to this as well. Yes, for sure. Like, yes, you yes, know, the, yes. When John Cryer premiered as Lex Luthor in Supergirl, one of the, yeah. the big lines that he had in his first scene is like, I was the man of tomorrow, not yeah. him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so this is all part of the perfect. DNA. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I do wish the version that we saw in Snyder's film was more in line with this because he's a lot more morally ambiguous in the sense that it does seem to come from some sense of altruism. Uh, yeah. in some way he sees himself as an idealist uh, and he also is somewhat likable to the people who he's not enemies with you know he's like even wants to yeah. put his janitor's son through uh, you know promises him a spot in the Luthor sponsored like science competition type of thing right 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 uh, and that type of things and I'm just like oh yeah I miss that aspect and that you know that's it's an aspect that's we tend to forget is that Lex Luthor in the post-crisis John Byrne version is seen as a benevolent public figure and it's only behind closed doors that he's creating all this bullshit oh, that's going on yeah, yeah, and yeah. so I'm like that's definitely interesting and then you can also see especially in a movie about Batman versus Superman Lex and Batman are very similar if you think about it yeah, yeah two two yeah, humans definitely. who put themselves who are vastly intelligent put them through some sort of feeling of being you know the best of human potential yes. and then they see this alien who could be a potential threat and it's 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 pessimism versus idealism. And, yeah, and it's and, like the, the absolute power yeah. that Superman has will corrupt absolutely. And yes, we do have evil Superman runs, but when it and when it's not that run, when it's the real Superman, yeah, when it's the real Superman, it's like well, that's kind of the magic of Superman, right? Mm -hmm. It's he has absolute power in a sense, but he doesn't corrupt, right? How does that happen? Right. Well, a he's so, a fucking human. That's yeah. the one reason, but also it's good being raised well or something mm -hmm. but it's just you it's the power of idealism as well as well looking forward the bright future hope for a better tomorrow well, true that's idealism, all yeah. wrapped up mm -hmm. wrapped up in this that's what that's what can battle that uh, metaphorically or thematically that idealism can battle that pessimism mm -hmm. that that Lex Luthor has right and in a way that Batman has and that Batman has as well, but obviously Batman a little bit different than... Well, yeah, Luthor. obviously they take two completely different paths in terms of how they have a relationship with with uh, Superman. One becomes a villain and one becomes, you know, an ally and a friend, yeah, depending yeah, yeah. on which interpretation you go with in terms of how close that friendship is. Uh, but in general, you know, one takes one route and the other or takes another completely. And it's interesting to me, like, that's why I think, despite what many people might say about it, Lex Luthor is still the best possible villain for Batman versus you Superman. I remember you saying this. Yeah, yeah, because of this aspect, because of the, the parallels between him and Lex. And that's brought up in the movie, too, as we covered in the coverage, where, like, scenes of Lex talking about his father and the family and that type of stuff are put in parallel with Bruce Wayne talking about, you know, his father and right. the Wayne legacy and that type of stuff. It's right, all right, right. related because they're pretty much similar guys. It's just one becomes a villain and one is in danger of becoming a villain until he brings himself back into becoming a hero. Right, right, right. Uh, so one notable thing about this Man of Steel comic, uh, we'll be recommending this to you, Zach, unless you've already read this. Oh, yeah, I've got it in my other room here. It's one of my favorites. Ah, okay. So you have read this. Okay. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, a notable thing is that this version of Lex has business dealings with Bruce Wayne, yeah. and uh, there is a shot from a newspaper of, it's very small, but there's a shot of Joker drawn by Lee Bermejo with the cut smile. 
and this is in 2005. Oh, this is predating The Dark Knight and predating their Joker comic mm-hmm. line. Was Bermejo really that popular before the Snyder uh, verse movies and and all that? And, Definitely and, before the and Dark Knight trilogy. I think it was around the time of the Dark Knight trilogy that he ended okay. up getting making, especially with I, this um, Azarello stuff. Yeah, yeah. I actually remember as uh, so I was in high school and Batman Begins had come out, and I was just like going onto Google and looking up artwork and stuff, and there were mm. rumors that Joker was going to be in the next film, and of course, like the card was shown at the end. So okay. I actually remember seeing some early artwork by uh, Bermejo of joker it's a little different i feel like he's got some palm trees in the background there's like a tall building Uh, there was one of joker and one of two-face and uh they were very similar to what he eventually did come up with but that version of joker always burned it in my head because i remember later when i saw heath ledger i was like oh man that looks exactly like that one artist rendition that was before that movie had come out so it was kind of cool. Right. He had done a couple of renditions for Batman on film in terms of what Joker and Two-Face could look like. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's so, obviously, the Joker one was the cut smile. And then the Two-Face one, interesting enough, his fan choice for Harvey Dent was Denzel Washington. Yes, yeah. Oh, interesting. So okay. it was an African-American Harvey Dent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, being shown in that. Obviously, they didn't go with that in, in the movie, but this is just sort of his right. his professional so artist, Billy, but fan Billy William, William's kind of uh, legacy. I think that's part of it, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. So here, Lex knows that Bruce Wayne puts on a Playboy act, and it's kind of implied he might even know that Bruce is Batman in the storyline. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. This Bruce appears to actually drink, like the Ben Affleck version, where he even orders red wine for the table, even though Lex insists on water. Interesting. Uh, in the comic, Lex gives Bruce Wayne the kryptonite and talks to him about what if Superman's not on our side. This is more directly manipulating him as opposed to the you let your family guy die in newspaper that Throw I know is your favorite. Fucking, uh, Polaroids and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Still gets me, man. Uh, and this leads to Batman fighting Superman in the storyline. So in this instance, Lex Luthor influences Bruce Wayne into thinking Superman is a threat and implies that Lex knows that Bruce is Batman and causes them to fight. Much they like in... just use the absolute power corrupts absolutely kind of vibe. Yeah. You know, they made it overly complex. I mean, they did in a way, but also had all this other stuff in there. It's a lot more Uh, subdued and subtle than what we see in Batman versus Superman 2. But I guess if Lex had done it that way, then number one, I I know that Bruce Wayne does not trust like that Lex Luthor. He already knows Mm -hmm. that he's, uh, you know, a nut job. He's a kook. As uh, Lobo would say, but um, yeah, or my Tommy Lee Jones would say, but um, yeah, I guess then we wouldn't have that whole Batmobile uh, murder ride and him going to go find that kryptonite if Lex had just given it to him. You just know? give it, yeah. Right, right. I mean, it could also be a case where Bruce doesn't trust Lex, but knows he's right in a way. True. Yeah. Which could true. have been also been interesting. Where yeah. It's just like, normally I wouldn't trust Luthor at all, but he has a point, that type of thing. Luthor could be swayed by such animal magnetism <laughs> that Luthor has. His Charles Manson yeah. like hack your psyche kind of mm-hmm. kind of thing. Potentially that too. I mean, you add in all the other factors. I mean, we talked about the sort of overcomplicated plan yeah, 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 in yeah. BVS, but uh, it is interesting how much simpler it is in the original comic in the 2005 comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, let's see, a f just a couple others before we finally get to Jesse Eisenberg's Lex. But uh, in the animated film Superman Doomsday from 2007, which we talked about in the Death and Return of Superman deep dives, uh, Lex does kill Mercy in order to cover up Project Apple Corps, which was the a project that he had that ended up uncovering Doomsday and he kills her so that nobody can connect him to Doomsday coming out. This is similar to BVS, uh, in which he kills Mercy in Congress. However, I honestly think it makes a lot more sense <laughs> in this version than in BVS, where we were just like, why is he killing her again? Yeah, it's so, weird. I know that she knows about the kryptonite, but so do KG Beast and all the other yeah, mercenaries he right. uses to kill, to take out Martha. So He just didn't like her. Martha. <laughs> he just, <laughs> just didn't like her. <laughs> I don't want to pay your medical benefits anymore. <laughs> yeah. He's gonna he's gonna get another one. Yeah. Oh. Uh, let's see. And then the new fifty two Lex Luthor in two thousand eleven. This was interesting when I remember this. So we noted in our BVS coverage that it was kind of weird that Lex is just like Superman's too powerful. I must take him down. And then at the end he's just like, let me Skype in with Steppenwolf. He uh, Skypes. <laughs> well, oh, that's well, Skype. What we but did. This is what... Oh yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I listened to that sketch. <laughs> let me Skype in with Steppenwolf, and Steppenwolf shows up at the end of the Ultimate Edition and the beginning of Justice League to talk to Lex. Yes, and we're just my like, Lord. is he? Is he in league with him? We weren't really sure what was going on. It's not really explained. However, uh, Lex has teamed up with aliens in the past to go up against Superman. Oh, you'd have to. In the New 52, Lex started off teaming up with Brainiac, hoping to get the secrets of the universe and more knowledge from Brainiac. And Brainiac, in exchange, had Lex study the new su this new superhero, Superman. I see you're bald as well. Yes. <laughs> Let us team up. <laughs> if you have hair, fuck you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this they Lex say having hair also... is a sign of perfection. Obviously yes. not. Yes. This Lex also works in conjunction with the government and the military, somewhat like the Lex Luthor in BBS. And Superman and Lois. No, wait, no, that's never mind. Yeah. That's the. Not really guy. in Superman and Lois. Yeah, no. never mind. But uh, yeah, so those are the connections. Let's now dive into the actual Batman versus Superman, Jesse Eisenberg, Lex Luthor. We made it. So as we discussed in the Batman versus Superman coverage, Jesse Eisenberg originally met Zack Snyder for the role of Jimmy Olsen where he would have been killed off and sort of a shock Janet Lee and Psycho type of cameo where it's just like, oh, it's a famous actor playing a famous character. Oh, he's dead. Yeah. But uh, Snyder yeah. thought, this guy is crazy. What if he was Lex Luthor instead? So <laughs> cast him as Lex Luthor. Uh, as discussed in our Patreon episode about unused ideas for Batman versus Superman, the trades reported that Snyder had also talked to Kylo Ren himself, Adam Driver, uh, for the role. Snyder confirmed that he did talk to Driver for a role, but he didn't specify it being Lex. But given Driver's age range and the fact he was unlikely to be due for some of the other roles, it seems not hard to imagine that this is true. Should have been Scarecrow, though, if he was Yeah, I know, I know, I yeah. know. Eisenberg's a better choice, I think, for this version. For this version of Lex, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so let's dive into the possible inspiration for Eisenberg's performance, who is as as Andrew already yep. broke down, uh, Max Landis. Max Landis, as he brought up, was son of director John Landis, screenwriter of movies like Chronicle and Victor Frankenstein, but is mostly known for being somewhat of a controversial public figure and internet personality, huge Superman fan, but yeah. also uh, is known for being loud, eccentric, with somewhat controversial <laughs> opinions, had a whole video called Regarding Clark, which criticized the destruction in Man of Steel. Uh, yes, and yes. And he currently is working on on his youtube channel a uh, kryptonian it's called the kryptonian epic where it's a continuation of the american alien storyline he did in the comics 
speculation on my part is that DC didn't let him do it due to the accusations that were leveled against him in I think 2019 yeah, of several this. Uh, emotional and sexual abuse he from got canceled relationships so uh, <laughs> however I did you know I do like his Superman stuff in terms of the the writing yeah, I read American Alien the yeah, first, first American few Alien is good the Kryptonian epic stuff that he had planned is good like yeah. all all that but anyway uh, he his personality is again we got a son of a known public figure just like Lex Luthor yes. in the movie and Landis at one point wrote the movie American Ultra which Jesse Eisenberg starred in that's the one where yes. Eisenberg is secretly an assassin and his girlfriend is Kristen Stewart and that type of this stuff this is where, definitely where the part of the yeah. connection is from right yeah. Snyder sees this movie and I don't know yeah. I don't know if Snyder sees this movie and deliberately makes it because Eisenberg apparently made the choice to base it off of Landis I think oh, Eisenberg I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Eisenberg I believe because some were just like wait a minute is this Snyder getting back at Max Landis for criticizing Man of Steel and now that we've sort of gone through <laughs> I hope not done our research <laughs> I'm like it seems unlikely I have a feeling Snyder didn't even watch the video that Max Landis did uh, regarding Possibly. Clark and Possibly, that this yeah. is simply Eisenberg basing it off of like well I know the son of a famous you know person who seems like he could be you know who's also rich and and has all these things going on i potentially could base it off of him so it's more eisenberg basing off of someone he knows after you after you finish watching this whole thing or listening to this episode of our podcast look up max land superman on youtube you'll see him he's basically doing the youtuber thing he's complaining about man of steel bvs um and some other shit but his he definitely has he's definitely how can i say this full of personality um, and you'll see a definite connection with this with this Eisenberg. I don't Lex. think he's quite the same in terms of eccentricity, though. Like I don't think he's got the, the you know. No, tics. but I I could see Eisenberg being like, I'm going to take that thing and amp it up. Yeah, for this uh, I could see that. I, I also want to note too that Landis did a video uh, in reaction to not necessarily in reaction to the Snyder cut, but basically being like. Uh, yeah, so I did that video years ago on Man of Steel, and uh, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> and, did you say that? Yeah, and and it's that video that all in that video he also talks a little bit more about Jesse Eisenberg potentially basing Lex Luthor off of him. So I'll put that in the show notes. There's something as well. so I know he is just like not liking the movies, but yeah, it it just comes off as real, really negative, like biting negative. You know what I mean? It's not constructive that, yeah. criticism. It's really like. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why he said yeah. in the latest video that he shouldn't have done that. Yeah, it feels like he shouldn't have done that. And he's like, it's like, who the fuck am I to crap on the guy's work when he got to do the Superman movie? And the spirit of it is, is a comic. bit off, probably. I know we joke around a lot on here. We, right. We've said negative comments before, but we try to make it at least a, a fun vibe for the most part. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, yeah, again, I just look it up. You'll see what we're talking mm-hmm. about. He also makes fun of the jar of piss in his BBS uh, <laughs> breakdown. He was like, oh, yeah, we yeah. have a whole plot point about a jar of piss. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what uh, the fuck is that? not wrong. That's what ended up happening. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. He's a yeah. huge Superman fan, and I give him props for that. Mm-hmm. But um, And he does have good commentary like the jar of piss thing. But the overall vibe is a little bit, just a little bit too negative. Which probably. is probably why, yeah. you know, even before these accusations came out, that yeah. he was, you know, a lot of people didn't like him. On that type of stuff, so. <laughs> yeah, I don't want, I'm not going to, I mean, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. Him, so, but it, yeah. we're just, yeah, 
Anyway, stating what is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What he has the, allegations. All Just look. At Obviously, it. other people point out that Eisenberg's previous role as Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg may have also been an influence on this. You know, if you look at mm-hmm. when we meet Lex, he's not in. We never see Lex's office. No, we don't. He's like step into my office, and he's on the basketball court. Like it very much feels like a startup type of more casual environment where nobody's in an office anymore. It's all in this like laid out open workplace. People commented on that. It was like he was supposed to be kind of a tech billionaire. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, a a, a, a dot-com boom kind of guy. Yeah, there's a Lex OS system that they had a problem Yeah, so yeah, there there you go. (laughs) He gets you by uh, giving out those phones where the batteries die off of a certain time. (laughs) And and, uh, you want to switch to another company. Those evil things. You want to switch to the Wayne Tech phones, but you can't because all your other other technology is Lex OS. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Eisenberg so comfortable. <laughs> Eisenberg's Lex has a notable theme song as part of the score from Hans Zimmer and Junkie XL. Probably one of the most notable theme songs for Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. I mean, John Williams did have a version in the 1978 movie, but it was almost a little bit more comical because the first time you heard it was when Otis is walking around. Uh, but in this one, it's like a very dark piano theme. I like it. And uh, yeah, Zach's a fan of it. Uh, <laughs> know that. Not just because it's Luthor either. This is one of my favorite pieces of music from yeah, that movie. It's the Red Capes Are Coming. And uh, a YouTuber, uh, username Duck Milk Prod, but her name is Rebecca Johnson, huge fan of Batman vs. Superman. She brought up that the track, uh, The Red Capes Are Coming, is somewhat reminiscent of Mozart's Requiem in D minor, basically symbolizing death mm. in a way. And D for uh, death. yeah, so she also did a clip of those back-to-back, which I'll put in the show notes as well. And it it very much seems similar in a way. Um, Other versions point out that Lex's piano theme is almost a darker version of Superman's piano theme. If you think of the beginning of Superman's piano theme, it goes up. And then Lex's piano theme, it goes down Mm -hmm. in pitch. I'd have to listen to this again, man. I listened to Superman's, but I didn't listen to Lex's. (laughs) I mean, I did in the movie, but I didn't go back. You were forced to then. It was in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Can't put your fingers in your ears. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, in a way Batman vs Superman is seen as an origin story for Luthor much like Man of Steel was an origin for Superman even uh, Jeff Johns brings this up in the special features where he's just like yeah "Yeah, BVS is the origin story of Lex Luthor he's not really the Lex we know until the end when he's got the shaved head yeah I could see that definitely Uh, as mentioned in BVS Lex Luthor's father Lex Senior was an immigrant from East Germany who came to America uh, hmm. He used his son's name for the company LexCorp Industry to try to appeal to the emotions of investors to, quote, write checks for Lex. Do this for my son. Did they leave because of certain reasons? or <laughs> <laughs> Why did they leave it's uh, not Germany? Covered. It's not covered by okay. Germany. I don't know whether Lex, our Lex grew up here or grew up in Germany yeah. first. And then it's unknown when he came to America, Lex Sr., Man, I was watching this video of this guy, this British guy, talk about like the greatest generation, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Most people in Europe can say that people born at this time are called the greatest generation, except for the Germans." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh shit, man! It's still, still, yeah. shots fired, man." Yeah. Uh, as discussed, Lex Senior abused Lex Junior until, presumably, as we discussed, uh, Lex Junior killed his own father. This, according to the scene at the LexCorp Tower, solidified his belief. That power cannot be innocent, and that someone all powerful cannot be all good. Thus, he pessimism. does not believe in Superman. Yeah, pessimism. Pessimism. Yes. Uh, this is important because there seems to be the main. This seems to be the main motivation behind Lex's hatred for Superman. Remember, Lex is already plotting against Superman and Batman before we meet him in the movie. Yeah. There's no encounter 
because uh, in the majority of adaptations, Lex's hatred for Superman isn't really at the very beginning. It comes after Superman stops his plans, uh, or Lex tries to be like, you know, how much you want, I'll pay you. He's already Superman. prejudiced, though, at this point. In this version, he right. is, yeah. So, like, in Burns, Man of Steel, Superman the Animated Series, Lois and Clark, Birthright, there's all sort of like, there's almost like a grace period in the beginning, where yeah, Lex, yeah, Lex yeah, is not yeah. really sure what to think of him until, unless Superman actually just flat out ruins his plans and then he's just like now you're my enemy there's another thing I, I can't wanna, buy you there's another thing I want to add to yeah. to what I was saying earlier about all this thematic stuff mm-hmm. if if Superman really is the paragon of of perfection and um, and everything that is good and even even if uh, his absolute power doesn't corrupt absolutely um, Lex can still not like him because you can't be a symbol for us if you are not human Right, so it, it it just keeps working on all these levels. Yeah, I think like over time we you know we keep adding to the to these villains and these characters in comic books and, and our and our new modern mythology, and it's just like to me it's like he he wasn't bald at first, but he eventually became bald, and like there's something that works in our psyche. We maybe deep that we don't know at first. These people back in the '60s, '50s, or whatever. Yeah, and it's but it's still kind of all there. Mm-hmm. Like and. I don't know. I just find that fascinating. Like it, it, it works for a reason. The Joker mm-hmm. works for a reason. Yeah. They, there's a billion villains, a billion heroes. Why this one? Why this look? Mm-hmm. Why these motivations? It's, it's not. There's superficial reasons, but also deeper reasons. I think. Eighty-one right? years. Yeah, eighty-one, 81 years, years of just adding to characters. this mythology. Yeah. 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 Um, in Birthright, Lex is obsessed with the world turning to him instead of Superman, and so there's this jealousy that comes from that. But again, I don't think this is really conveyed in the movie, okay. for me personally. Uh, another YouTuber named Super Jesus Jackson has a video about how the BVS Lex Luthor was Super misunderstood. Jesus Jackson. It's his name. I can't make that up. <laughs> he says that Lex... This is very interesting. I, I love this idea. Lex hates Superman's altruism in BVS because he is incapable of it himself. So, therefore, Superman must be in some way inferior to him in order for him to feel better about himself. Now, again, I love this idea, but I feel like this is more fan interpretation than what is presented on screen. I think possibly. I think you're right. I don't feel... Again, like, I want this to be true. It's just I feel like this is something that you add into it when you're watching, not something that's actually in the film even when you try to but look for subtext why would you be jealous of altruism i mean i guess i don't understand well, that entirely it's, it's an idea that lex knows that he is all powerful but he's not all good and so to see somebody who is all good and all powerful makes him superior to him therefore he cares about being all good lex does lex basically sees that i'm all powerful but i'm i'm not all good and i'm okay with that and then superman comes in and he's all powerful and all good and thus more likable Thus, popularity contest for Lex. <laughs> okay, so it's, he sees good as being superior. Yeah, and and so that makes Lex's own immorality, his own imperfection, and thus, in order for him to be feeling better about his imperfection, he must show that Superman has that imperfection. You see, there's always some, some added shit, like yeah. all the shit I was talking. About, I never even fucking heard about that before. That's well, interesting. Thank you, Super Jesus Jackson. Yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I really like it. I just feel like you need a scene of him seeing his own immorality as imperfect, yeah, or yeah, portraying yeah. Superman as reminding him of his imperfection and how that grates on him. Yeah, yeah, that type of stuff. Because I don't think that's in, I don't think that's in the movie. You can you can pretend that it is and watch it, but you have head, you have the you have the right for your own head cannon. 
I just I just wish there was more. I wish I, yeah, there was more I th- of I that in there. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think it's not really in there. I think this mm-hmm. is just fan interpretation. Although it's a cool interpretation. It's a great interpretation. I yeah. want it to be there. I want to to see that there's there's a step to it. But unfortunately, from the amount of times that we've seen the movie and we covered it for like eight hours on this podcast, <laughs> thank you, Ben. There your, wasn't really anything that I could point to on that end. Yeah, uh, you're, you you are correct. So his, the motivation feels just a little mo- muddled in comparison to the comic book version or the other interpretations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've also brought this up before, but Lex does tend to have a clearer plan <laughs> than in the movie. <laughs> you don't so, say. <laughs> to recap, for those who might not have seen our BBS Deep Dive, oh, here is God. Lex's plan. <clears throat> and I just basically copied and pasted my notes from that episode. So Lord, this is a recap. Here we go. You guys One, ready for this? <laughs> frame Superman for killing people in Africa by putting Lois Lane in danger. Then have Anatoly out CIA agent Jimmy Olsen. Then shoot and burn people to death to try to frame him. As well as have that African lady lie that her family was murdered. This will then get him a congressional hearing to find out what happened. And that's step one. Step two, pay off prisoners to kill anyone with a Batman brand so that it will somehow capture Clark Kent's attention, sports reporter Clark Kent, uh, <laughs> and have pictures sent, Polaroids sent to Clark Kent. My favorite part. Uh, <laughs> uh, even though Clark at this point would probably get distracted by the fact that his name is getting dragged through the mud. Uh, but number three, convince Congress to give him the import license so that he can get the shipment for kryptonite over to him even though he clearly later on has the resources to smuggle it over himself anyway. Right. Also get him access to General Zod's body so he can get his fingerprints. Uh, (laughs) Invite Bruce and Clark to the same party in hopes that they meet so they can, I guess, size each other up. Uh, He must be, he's kind of hoping that they found some reason to talk to each other because Clark clearly doesn't know who the hell Bruce is in the beginning of the party. Right. Because of all those sports articles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's covering uh, Gotham football and shit, man. Recruit Wallace Keith into being an accidental suicide bomber and witness the congressional hearing to make Superman look bad for not stopping a bombing. Okay. Uh, in case the wheelchair and lead so Superman doesn't know how to stop it and then blow it up as revenge on the senators and make Superman look bad. Then send fake messages on behalf of Wallace Keefe to Bruce Wayne saying you let your family die so Bruce would then be sent over the edge being triggered based off of his trauma of his parents getting killed and project that trauma onto Superman and want to fight Superman and steal the kryptonite from Lex. Next, kidnap Martha Kent and Lois Lane to convince Clark to fight Batman to the death. Maybe he potentially thought the prison stuff was going to work earlier in making Superman fight Batman, but why would he even need to do the prison stuff if he was already going to do this? Just for shits and giggles. I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) He also needs the hope that Superman doesn't explain this to Batman in the fight that (laughs) they took my mom. It could have been so so avoidable. Then he Um, creates Doomsday from Zod's body in case Batman fails. He does say that Doomsday bends to his will, but does that mean he was going to kill Doomsday if Batman succeeded? Because he doesn't really need Doomsday after Superman's dead. That's true, yes. So... That is the complicated plot of BVS. Again, like as we brought up, we have appreciation for BVS. We do love Snyder. It's just that this plan could have been simpler. I mean, we sucked Snyder's dick so hard in Zack <laughs> Snyder's Justice League. We're still covering Justice the Snyderverse. <laughs> um, you know, but with with BVS, it was it was a little harder to to unzip said dick. Yeah, it's <laughs> let's put it that way. Again, like there are other, and then a lot of it is possibly, you know, 
not possibly, probably studio meddling based off the interview from oh, Chris Terrier we talked definitely. about. Where we couldn't like... suck his dick because the studio was in the way of Snyder. <laughs> they were cock-blocking. <laughs> you know, cock, literally cock-blocking. Because Terrier was just like, Bat- you guys wanted Batman to brand people. So Man, you guys ter- really wanted that shit. That Terrier interview, my favorite part is when he says, Snyder won't say this because he's a gentleman, but I'll say it. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's fucking, and again, look at how many people step up for Snyder mm-hmm. that know him. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, everybody, dude. Mm-hmm. Fucking everybody, man. So, I swear, we're not trying to turn this into We Love Snyder podcast, but it's just... I mean, we're too late now. We've, too, pretty much, <laughs> we've pretty been much covering too him since, like, February. If you want to see us against Snyder, watch BBS coverage, but... Um, Even but, yeah. then, it's like, it's a respectful... like It's it, a respectful against. I, yeah. I I just think it could have been a lot simpler, too, because I get the idea. You're trying to pit Batman and Superman against each other. Yeah. You don't like the power that Superman has. It's just the way about doing it is, seems overly complicated. However, that does lead me into one final controversial question for this. This, this was what led us. So Eisenberg's criticized for not being like the comic book character, having overcomplicated plans, adding his own quirks. How is Eisenberg's reimagining of Lex Luthor different from how Heath Ledger reimagines the Joker in The Dark Knight? Ooh, that's a good question. Because both look different than their traditional version of the character. Both actors added their own unique quirks to the character. Yeah. You got Ledger licking his lips in Dark Knight and all oh, that type yeah. of stuff. I had and a he, friend that hated that. He does. He has mm. his own voice to it that is now an iconic voice to it, but it yeah. isn't at all sounding like Mark Hamill. Yeah. Uh, both characters are already hell bent on fighting the heroes before the story even begins. We do not see what causes the motivation. They okay. are already starting that. Both of them seem incredibly omniscient to put their plans in motion and have extremely complicated plans. And if you don't think Joker's plan in Dark Knight is just as complicated, <laughs> let's go back into how he turned Harvey into Two-Face. <clears throat> Here we go. Oh, One, shit. plan to attack Harvey Dent's convoy. Two, plan to get caught, but also maybe try to get Batman to kill you by running you over with the Batpod. Three, plan for Moroni's corrupt cops to kidnap Harvey Dent and Rachel Dawes so that you can give Batman a chance of who choice of who to save. Now, this sounds all well and good so far, but this starts to get a little bit more complicated. <laughs> Four, bargain on Gordon getting you time to talk to Batman in the interrogation room. When Batman does interrogate you, give the wrong addresses on who's where. So far, so good. Next, before all this, plan for a guy with a bomb sewn inside his stomach to be placed in a holding cell at the same place where you're taken during this whole time. You are fucked if it's not in the same place. That is true. That is Six, true. break out of interrogation room somehow, potentially piss off the cop who is talking to you and bargain on Batman slamming your head against the glass so that you right. have some broken glass to threaten him with. Do this so that you can get to a cell phone to blow up the guy with the bomb. Also, make sure this all takes place in the same building where the accountant Lau has been being held so that you can take him out right. instead. Right, right, right. And that's just the sequence of Harvey Dent. I <laughs> go uh, into all the others. <laughs> seven points. I, but I, I don't propose, know. I propose a question. I propose this question then. How is he different? All right. I'm not saying that they are exactly the same. I'm asking how are they different because there's a lot of actual similarities here. What's a good way to adapt and what's a bad way to adapt as an actor or as a screenwriter or both? It's, it's subjective in terms of what was, yeah. you know, what, where does Eisenberg fall on this? Take it away, Zach. I'm glad you're answering first. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> All right. I, I just love these like, versions so much that I do have to defend them a little bit. Right. I think it is more acceptable number one for that to be a new interpretation because the joker doesn't seem as concrete in the comics i mean even before then his personality had changed quite a bit to fit the time period that he was in so i feel like 
there's a little bit more room for for variety there. And I also think that Ledger's Joker, even though he seems like he's planning a lot, I also feel like he kind of just goes he goes along with whatever is happening. Like if something happens then he'll come up with like some more plans to go along with that. It just doesn't seem like it's his he's banking on everything to be a success. True, like everybody being held in the same holding cell is a little bit of a I don't know, it does seem to be a little bit improbable, but I feel like if that didn't happen he'd be coming up with something else to do. I feel like he's he just adapts to whatever scenario he's he's placed in because he do, he obviously does not care for himself in his own life. So he just is going to kind of like go for whatever he can. So I'll say that. And I do feel like that's why his his version is much more palatable and acceptable to uh audiences because it's like he's this he's this idea. It's like I think I've Nolan said he's like the shark in jaws where he's just like this force of nature. Mm. He's unknowable. Whereas with Lex Luthor, you kind of have to know who he is, and we we have we kind of have to understand his motivation mm-hmm. in that movie. And, you know, Lex Luthor throughout his 81 years has had, I think, less uh, different interpretations, less, n- less of mm-hmm. a number of interpretations of his personality and uh, his character as Joker has. So I think that's why it's kind of it's more difficult for people to accept Eisenberg as Luthor. Honestly, I am not as attached to Luthor as a character, so I'm I'm okay with Eisenberg. He never really got on my nerves as much, but I, he also could be a completely different character and still work. I feel like they could just make him somebody else and it still would be fine. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Um, so I've given a lot of deep talk I think throughout this episode but to say something a little simpler one <laughs> is Lex and one is Joker uh, right. Le- Lex mm-hmm. is just not as dark um, Joker is in a Nolan film um, Joker whenever he says deep stuff it really sticks because Nolan I've said this a lot on this podcast Nolan's really good at thematics and just mm-hmm. Maybe it's because he's British and he went to Oxford. I don't know what the fuck. No, but he didn't go to Oxford, actually. Or, oh, yeah, I got that part wrong. I got that part wrong. I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. But anyway. I think he did study English lit, though. So I studied English lit. So he... Not that Terrio can't do this, but it's just that Nolan and with Goyer are just especially good at the deep themes. Mm-hmm. Like, even when Joker says, everything burns... Those two words, it's just something about it, just very uh, deep to it. Like, Joker's just so um, nihilistic, you know? Like, mm-hmm. he just doesn't give a fuck. Whereas Lex does care, but he's... Um, it's not... We're not with Nolan anymore, and all this, like, deep shit he's saying, it's like... I've got to piss some people off when I say this, but it's like... <laughs> it's like the movie Prometheus, where they say a bunch of shit, but it mm-hmm. sounds like a 14-year-old that just read a book on the Matrix. Mm. You know, like, it's like, they think it's deep. It sounds deep, but it's not really that deep. Mm-hmm. I was, and yeah. that, that kind of that thing doesn't affect some people, but that's the kind of thing that really irks me. Mm. And he, <clears throat> Lex almost lands it. They're close. But when you do that stuff, you really gotta land it. For yeah. me. Yeah. And it just... They don't stick the landing with the deep stuff talk that Lex goes into. Mm. Uh, and honestly, Lex is 
in a movie that's overshadowed with the Martha scene. And I know that's outside of what Lex... Well, it's connected, right? But Lex... This version of Lex on top of the Twitches is just part of that movie. And Mm -hmm. that's it. I mean... I don't know. I guess that's all I have to say yeah. about that. Maybe it's hard to take I, him seriously too because of his mm-hmm. uh, yeah. tics and like his yeah. the over the top kind of performance going on. Those any kind of uh, attempt to have like a deeper meaning to what he's saying or being philosophical is it just doesn't come off as um, it doesn't come off as strong. I don't think. Mm. Yeah, all the talk about the theatrics and. And every kind of th- like thematic thing is done so well in Batman Begins, and like the force of in- an immovable object versus an unstoppable force of nature. Mm-hmm. These this thematic element that's that they say in a line at the end of Dark Knight. It's just everything about that is perfect to me, and I think to a lot of Batman fans. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why this is such a sticking point for me, but it is. Mm-hmm. It is because they they try it and they fail in in BBS. Right, because I. I bring this up because it hit me last night to add this part in to be like, well, this is an interesting discussion because a lot of stuff that we criticize Eisenberg for or stuff that we praise for Lecher's Joker. And I think part of that is absolutely what you guys have said, where it's like, it's a different character. Yeah. The Joker being this sort of unknowable force is something that we found more acceptable in it because of the nature of that character. As opposed to Lex Luthor, who is a human who wants to go up against an alien yeah. and seemingly is a little bit more of an ordinary human in some ways than Joker because he's not yeah. in, you know makeup and all that type of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and yet seems to have the super ability to come up with all these plans and and all these things yeah. and know everybody's secret identity. <laughs> and uh, there's also the feeling of people walking out of the theater from Dark Knight being like that was incredible if he ledger and then yeah. other people walking out of BVS with Eisenberg being like what the fuck. <laughs> so I think some of that is him being explained just like just enough in, in Dark Knight too yeah. helps a lot. I think like with the Jaws bit, yeah. comparison, mm-hmm. I think Ebert even said in his review that Joker shows up just enough. Mm-hmm. They don't overshow him. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Lex, I mean, it might be a little too much. But it, not it's too, not played too much, out. Yeah, it's not played out the same way. Yeah, he's he not is a force shown, of nature. He's not. He's not mysterious. Not quite shown the same in, in terms of force of nature. Yeah, and then there's also what I was talking about earlier, where there's like there's an element of uh, more of a moral ambiguity to Lex where yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Joker's obviously a villain who revels in being evil chaotic, in, chaotic in, evil in, yeah in on the D&D nihilistic chart. part yeah. yeah but Lex is someone who sees himself as the hero lawful evil so when you remove that aspect yeah when you make him a little bit less morally ambiguous and just more flayed out villain mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it does seem like you lose something even though a lot of the stuff that they're doing is on paper as I've talked about very similar to what Heath Ledger did with the Joker in the Dark Knight but I would say overall, if I were to sum this up with final thoughts, my verdict of this is, based off of our discussion today, Jesse Eisenberg is absolutely Lex Luthor in terms of all the different stuff we talked about with the comic mm-hmm. elements and all the things that add to it, from the red hair to the, his plans, yeah. except for the jar of piss, <laughs> of elements of the character stepping back from the 1940, but I'd say you can have subjective criticisms on the motivation and the plans and how well that was executed as well as Eisenberg's own performance himself. Yeah. It's sort yeah, of up yeah. to you in terms of deciding whether that was well done or not and where right. you lie on that scale. Right. I'd say it's an interesting take on the character. Not my favorite overall, but right, you can't really yeah. say that he's not Lex Luthor. 
Oh, he's definitely Lex Luthor, although, uh, Zach, you go first with final thoughts, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, well, I guess like you said, I, I don't hate this version of Lex. Um, honestly, <laughs> honestly, even though the first time I saw Batman versus Superman was disappointing, Lex was not one of the things I was disappointed in. I was kind of like, I found him interesting because really, I am not like the biggest fan of Gene Hackman in Superman, in the first Superman movies. It's kind of just like a, a little bit boring to me. So that might be sacrilege to say. And I remember... Greatest criminal mind of our time. It's <laughs> not the best part of Superman 7. No. no and, that way. And, I, and I also found, like, Kevin Spacey to be, like, he's just all right. I never found Lex Luthor to be that interesting of a villain because, as you know, I'm a Batman fan, and I like the freakish... Uh, villains the most because it's like they're very nut jobs (laughs) they're very interesting to look at and i find their like their psychological profiles to be very interesting so when i saw batman versus superman i was like oh lex is kind of different here he's he's kind of interesting so you know i thought that was something that was different and it is interesting now to hear from ben where all the influences may have come from to develop this version of Lex. So, again, I, uh, you know, I'm still, I, I wouldn't say like I'm a super fan of this Lex, but I, I don't hate him. I think he's very interesting. Uh, definitely was a different take. So, um, yeah, I, I still say I, I like this version uh, more than other people hate this version. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, did this episode change your mind in any way? Uh, it didn't change my mind. I didn't, I, I didn't hate. I didn't hate Eisenberg's Lex. I never, I never thought he wasn't Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. Like uh, in your final part, you just said right, right, you're right. trying to show that he that he definitely is Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not against that point at all. Right. I just think, I don't know. Maybe it was just something about the just the overall the Martha thing and it's every all the stuff we covered it. Well, all the all the things. <laughs> <bad> <laughs> He's yeah. not part of the Martha thing. <laughs> he could have been kind of acting the same, but if he just had different. Um, plan or something in bbs Mm. that probably would have been the best because his motivation is fine but his plan how he carries it out the plot is his his part of that plot aren't that aren't that great probably Mm -hmm. um overly complex like 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 as we brought over yeah um but i gotta say if you look at history of comic book films Mm. um look at the acceptance of the schumacher films now uh, people, especially Batman Forever, but even mm. a little bit of Batman and Robin, because people are like, yeah. it's Adam West. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if people people hate that version of Lex now, mm-hmm. give it 10, 20 years. Yeah. People will love it. I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah, a lot of times there's comic book fans, especially, we, we oftentimes have this knee-jerk reaction to certain elements. Yeah, definitely. But then, and then, but then we kind of get used to it, and we're like, eh, wasn't that bad? Mm-hmm. And like with Batman Forever and, and Batman and Robin, and mm-hmm. I think this probably isn't as hated as those two movies are, but it's maybe in the same area. In terms roundabout. of being more appreciated later on. I think they yeah, already sort of yeah. went through that renaissance with the Snyder Cut, really. Yeah, yeah, with a little people bit of that. revisiting yeah. it after many years mm-hmm. and being like, you know what? Just like what we did, yeah. Like you know what? It's not actually what it didn't deserve the hate that I yeah, got in twenty sixteen. Yeah, yeah. A little too much. The knee jerk reaction. Yeah. And the last thing I want to say before we head out of here and before you give your th- final thoughts, mm-hmm. um, like like I've said a lot of times, it's interesting to see guy in a blue suit with a red cape fighting a bald guy. You know, you could you could explain it like that, but then give it eighty years and it has 
such deep resonance. Mm-hmm. Um, pessimism versus idealism. Absolute power versus uh, uh, corrupts a- absolutely. Uh, and all these kind of like deeper themes and the xenophobia and all that like it's all there the lex luthor man of steel is a great read also um very key i think Mm -hmm. for understanding this character so um yeah it's just that's it's like i said before it's interesting when something that starts out kind of superficial comes back around to being basically as deep as it can get right yeah he's become Mm -hmm. archetypical at this point just like superman Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 no I think Lex Luthor is based on the fact that he's a villain who thinks he's a hero. Like that's, yeah. that's one of my favorite aspects about him. And I think the fact that that was kind of not portrayed as much, I think is the reason behind my own personal disappointment. However, there is a factor yeah. here where we have to sort of separate our own ideas of the character versus what is presented yeah. in some way. So even though I prefer that version, there's also plenty of versions of Lex Luthor where he's just a flat-out villain yeah. uh, in the earlier yeah. versions. I don't think they're as deep. Yeah. But... It's still a part of the character. Give it time. Yeah. <laughs> Look at it I'll now. will find something about it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think I gained more appreciation for the Eisenberg version after this episode, certainly more than I did back in 2016 Yeah. Uh, on it. But, uh, you know, still probably not necessarily my favorite interpretation of it. But I, yeah. I get it in terms of what they were going for, and I'll give the props for at least being like, well, let's... Let's not try to make him another guy who wants to do real estate again. My favorite interpretation is Brian Cranston in that fan edit. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a real Lex Luthor. Whenever he says, maybe you flew too close to the sun. It's iceberg. And I was like, oh, God, damn. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is our coverage on Lex Luthor, and that is super villain stuff you should know. We got a comment from Darkseid. Darkseid. He's finally Darkseid got a YouTube like, account. <laughs> He's Darkseid finally got a, arrived. Darkseid got a YouTube account and commented. I've on waited our, for this day. And commented on our uh, Atlantis deep dive, oh, saying, yeah. "Quote: Creating a new language is very impressive." Clapping emoji. So, <laughs> wow, that's big props from Darkseid. Big props. I from clap Darkseid. as well, Darkseid. So uh, shout out to Dr. Schreier. Uh, Darkseid was very impressed. Yes. Hail Darkseid. Hail Darkseid. <laughs> Uh, also on the same episode, we got a comment from uh, Jackson Putnam. My apologies, Jackson Putnam. I know you've left comments before, and this is the first time that we've gotten to you, but uh, Jackson said, quote, another great episode. Uh, Jackson has some great content, if you haven't checked him out. His content is editing a lot of different uh, movies containing Michael Keaton or Pat Hingle or different uh, <laughs> roles that they've had and pretending that they're Bruce Wayne or Gordon. <laughs> so stuff like, you know, Bruce Wayne drives Gordon nuts and that type of stuff and it's Michael Keaton <laughs> from another movie. Yeah. Extra uh, Batman 89 verse. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Okay. That's cool. Extending so, the universe. That's cool stuff. Check that out. That's Jackson Putnam. Okay. That's cool. Uh, and then the last comment comes from the JC England on our Batman 5 deep dive saying, quote, I remember when I heard they were going to make Batman 5. I would have been 13 at the time, and someone asked me who I thought would make a great Scarecrow. Over 20 years later, and I still say Robert England would have made a great Scarecrow. Mm. I think Zach agrees. Uh, I remember saying, if he can pull off being Freddy, imagine him being Scarecrow. It would have been huge, actually. It would have been way darker than what we had the first, the, the last two times around yeah. at that time. I um, he, I remember cool. my dad telling me that he had read in the newspaper that Jeff Goldblum was going to be the Scarecrow. Yeah, and I went insane. I yeah. <laughs> I was like, ah! Must scare faster. Must scare faster. <laughs> would have made more sense as Man Bat. Yes. Man know, basically After the fly, watching the fly, yeah. yeah. It's basically the fly. Typecast yeah. him a little bit, but damn, it would be great. 
The fly is great. I just saw it for the first time a year ago. Yeah. So good. Yeah, it's fantastic. He's the Kurt yeah. Langstrom. Would have been perfect. One of the greatest uh, practical effects movies of all time. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. He said, quote, even though I'm glad he got to be Scarecrow in the Injustice Gang game, where I think he also got, I think it's the Arkham game that first came out with the, he's got the syringes on his hands. Yeah, like Freddy's gloves. So I, I play both of them. I don't I know which don't came remember first. remember Injustice. But anyway, he says, I wish he had a shot at Scarecrow in a live action movie. So, yeah, that would be cool. awesome. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, nice. Over to you. Andrew. Okay, thanks for those comments, everybody. Yep, on the different shoutouts. And thank you to our Patreon patrons who are once again Shasta, Leom O, Jose Arrocha, Super Inframan, Douglas P, Dan D, Aaron Willett, Nick Noir, Jesse E, Jeffrey R, Sketchcraft, Scott V, and Yuli. And we want to thank our other supporters, they are Sparkageddon, SECT Productions, Robert Schumann, Cookie Nuns, Matt Herring, Elijah B, Shamrock Balls, Ian H, Walter the Wobot, John Wells, and Raigai. There's a Comic Capital on Instagram. Go check them out. And also the Everything Entertainment Club on Clubhouse, where you can join us. We speak pretty much on every Monday on Marvel Mondays, as well as Saturday for Superhero Saturdays. And you talk about Marvel shit on there? Part, yeah, we talk about Marvel shit. That's Damn. the only time where you can hmm. hear me talk about Marvel shit is <laughs> on this clubhouse. So join Clubhouse. Uh, I am part of that club. So if you guys want to chat about nerd shit with me for just a little <laughs> bit, then uh, join Clubhouse and be part <laughs> of the Everything Entertainment about? Club. <laughs> you can all, my name is on there as Ben Juan. So. Okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Shasta Army, patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod, where you can get yourself the $1 tier that gets you the shout out, but also the $5 tier gets you the shout out, plus a whole extra show every Friday. This show every Monday, Patreon show every Friday. Deeper mm-hmm. dives, usually by Ben, sometimes by me, but just like you think this shit is deep. We talk about Weg Thor and shit on the Patreon. <laughs> That's Krypton's moon. Yeah. Um, and what did we talk about? The different religions on Krypton and shit? You did, yeah. Yeah, all kinds Rao-ism. of... Rao-ism. Rao-ism, yes. The, yes, Rao-ism. I mean, just come on. think. Come on. Five dollars, everybody. <laughs> you can uh, cancel anytime. Superhouse merch. Get your uh, superhero stuff you should know merch, which is, uh, you know, t-shirts, mugs, things like that. If there's something that you'd want that we, that's not on there, that is generally on those stores, let us know in the comments. But, uh, yeah, superhousepod.redbubble.com, tpublic.com slash user slash superhousepodcast5000, superheroestuffpod.threadless.com. All have about the same kind of stuff, whichever one you prefer. And the art on there is by Wolfie, uh, Wolfie Cruz. And please leave us a review on iTunes. That helps out our uh, visibility. We got an email saying that we were 120th in Iceland. <laughs> Moving on up. <laughs> Moving on up. Thank you, people in Iceland. <laughs> Shit, I've been to Iceland before. That's, it, was, it was great. It's fucking great. So, uh, yeah, shout us out if you're, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Let's get up From to Iceland. 119th. 119th, please. please. That'd be yes. awesome. I like making any strides, Ben. So that was that was cool. We got that. So um, <laughs> and um, yeah. So uh, phone bumper. Please record us something and send it to superhousepodcast at gmail.com. It could be anything. It doesn't have to be a sketch or anything. Just uh, you know, keep up the good work or whatever the hell it is. <clears throat> and so your vo- your lovely voice can be on the show as well. Mm-hmm. Um, usually at the end of the mid episode break. Uh, and if you want to animate our sketches as well, if you do actually listen to them, <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Hash, please uh, make the animation and then hashtag us at the bottom throughout the entire duration of the video and then send that. You can post it even before sending it, but just send us send it to us eventually. Mm -hmm. We would we would love to know it exists. Um, and then we would, uh, you know, pimp out your channel as well. Um, do people say pimp out anymore? I feel like it's... No, ridiculous. no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> we will post about your animation <laughs> um, that you made. <laughs> okay, so I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and uh, ThunderwolfLives.com and uh, Thunderwolf Lives on YouTube. Ben. We're also on TikTok, aren't we? We're also on TikTok. For hero stuff pod. That is true. I should add that to our fucking list. We're also on uh, Twitter at SuperHousePod. Uh, we're on Instagram at SuperHeroStuffPod, which is how we know Zach. And we're on Vero. Find us at SuperHeroStuffPod. We have two followers as of the <laughs> Wow. So we have raised our following by 100%. See, Ben, trying to contact Snyder every day. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to know, how did Lex kill his father? Yeah. <laughs> Can't go on. <laughs> did he shove him out the window like in Smallville? Did he cut the brakes on the car like in post-crisis? <laughs> I have to know. <laughs> Everyone else wants to know about your other cuts. I don't care about that. I only care about this. We know about the cuts. We, <laughs> we already know about, know about the other shit. Yeah. Uh, my website is benwanrider.com. My channel on YouTube is in the description below. You can also check out Early Bird, uh, my kids' comic at earl-e-bird.com, which is where you can purchase it. My personal Instagram is at benwanrider. My son's Instagram, my cat Alfie, <laughs> is on Alfie Pennyworth Cat, which leads me to saying that we are affiliates with Whiskerbox. Indeed. Have, Isn't that right, Ben? Yes, if you have a small feline friend. Uh, or a big feline friend, depending on how chonky he or she is, <laughs> then you can get them <laughs> a nice gift every month at Whiskerbox. But also, if you have a dog, as well as a cat, or just a dog on your own, you can get... We are affiliates with BarkBox, where, based off on our promo code, yes, you yes, can get one yes. free month worth $35. Pretty much at any plan that you can get. Our link, yeah, we got, we got a fucking link now, we everybody. BarkBox.com slash... Superhero Stuff Pod. Mm -hmm. And you can find out all our other affiliates at superhousepod.com slash shop where you can get all sorts of other good shit, whether it's on Amazon or eBay. I think eBay, we got Batman merchandise. Yes, uh, uh, yeah, that leads some... directly. I mean, you could actually yeah. search for anything after. Just explain the eBay link real quick. Yeah, yeah. So on superhousepod.com slash shop, near the bottom of the page, there's an eBay link. That leads you directly to an eBay search for Batman movie memorabilia. But I'm pretty sure you could search for anything after that as long mm -hmm. as you don't click X and go back into eBay via another uh, other means. Mm -hmm. I just set it up to be real quick, like get gotcha. you right to Batman shit. Mm -hmm. But if you just stay there and search, it'll still probably help us out. So Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Well, check that out. But... On the subject of Batman shit, Wait, next on, week. On the, on the subject of good shit, we're also affiliates with shit. Tushy. <laughs> yes! <laughs> you joked. Don't test. Don't tempt me. <laughs> we officially are. We're going to get a link at some point soon, um, but we're going to add that to the Superhouse Pod uh, shop page, superhousepod.com slash shop. Yes. Um, we are totally affiliates officially with Tushy now. Thank you for the suggestion, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> Manscaped is next. <laughs> Damn, dude, don't tempt me. That's next. Just watch us next week. All right. Well, next week we do dive into another controversial supervillain because we are supervillain stuff. You should know. This week was Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor. Let's go into another controversial portrayal. 
Jared Leto's Joker. I ah, ah, oh, can't wait. <laughs> Coming next week. Find out. We might have explored. Were we wrong about Eisenberg? Let's ask. Are we wrong about Jared Leto too? We'll see. Uh, we're probably not wrong. But anyway, uh, Zach, <laughs> Zach I believe it it's your... Uh... <laughs> Zach, over to you. Yeah. Yes, you can see more of my artwork and less of my face on TikTok, on Instagram, <laughs> on the YouTubes. Just look up Zachary Jackson Brown Art, and you can see all of my work and buy some of my shit at ZacharyJacksonBrownArt.com. Are you affiliates with Tushy yet? I am oh. I am now by proxy, so uh I, hell you yeah. Are. That's correct. That's yes. correct. Yes. So anyway, that is it for our show. Thank you for being part of Super Villain Stuff You Should Know. Stay evil. <laughs> it, uh, wait, tell all your friends <laughs> tell all of your enemies about us. <laughs> Where do they get a load of me? Where do they get a load of us? <laughs> <laughs>